come in, come in. You got my raven, I assume. My raven. I'm friends with benefits. He works for the post. Oh, you were thinking like a carrier pigeon or something. No, 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 no. He's a twink. He can't carry a thing. I'm on a tangent. You got my message. I hope? You didn't. Oh, oh, you're just here for a story again. Oh, that won't do. I have a guest coming over. Oh, this is, um, this is so awkward. Well, I have another winged friend, and he's single. Single and looking, I should say. So I sent you a letter to see if you'd like to go on a date. Texting? Yeah, I could if I were a nerd who texts, and not a cool witch who sends ominous letters and has sex. On a tangent again, so sorry. Come in, sit down. I've got tea on the stove right now, if you like. Let me see if I can't come up with a story for you. Actually, this gentleman, uh, the bachelor I was talking about, he may be your type. In terms of a paranormal story, not a date necessarily. That's up to you. But I could tell you a story about him, see if he's your vibe. I can already tell that you've got a glow about you that he'd find attractive. Yes, he's a bit of a paranormal figure, a celebrity, actually, in my circles. Uh, his name is The Mothman. Yes, his first name is The. Welcome, welcome to the foxhole that fox so esoterica. I promise I was sober when I wrote this. Welcome once again to Foxo Esoterica. The podcast where I'm still trying to set up someone with my friend the Mothman, so hit up my DMs if you're interested. I'm the illustrious monster matchmaker, Forsetti Fox, and this month we're going to be covering one of the all-stars in the paranormal community. If you've been listening to the podcast for the past couple of minutes and also read the title, you know him already, and you love him already. It's the Mothman. I am fully aware that this is going to be the largest studying deep dive I'm going to need to do for this podcast, and while I'm typing this intro before I start my research, I'm going to write this little bit out anyway. You know, actually, it was easy. The research was easy. I'm skipping this part. Actually, I have a fun surprise for you this evening. In my travels and dealings online, I have actually happened to find another podcast just like my own. They're called Crypto Boozology, and if the name doesn't give it away, they too like to drink and then talk about ghost stories. And they're going to be the guests on this podcast for the evening. So I would like for you all to welcome Anna and Taylor of Crypto Boozology. I'm very excited to have them. They've been doing what I'm doing currently for longer. Also, I would like to plug something else. My Patreon at patreon.com slash capital F-O-R-S-E-T-I capital F-O-X where you can become an acolyte or hierophant in my little coven. I said that right. Don't DM me. Which uh, has a few perks such as a verbal shout-out, potential Q&As, or even a chance for me to share your personal paranormal story on the podcast. Though, my DMs or email at A-F-O-X-S-A-R-G-E-A-N-T at gmail.com are always open for that sort of thing. And if it's piquing my interest or related to a topic that I've discussed, I'll probably share it anyway. That being said, I do want to point out that I will not be doing any exclusive content or things like that for I don't feel like I want to put up a paywall behind any of my uh, that being said, I also have a coffee, if you like other sites besides Patreon, 
and giving people money. Uh, that's the self-plugging over. Don't ever feel like you gotta support me, or like I'll turn the lights off at the foxhole or something. But you know, I've, I've mostly been door dashing as my main source of income, and it'd be nice to use my theater degree for something else. Lastly, I would like to mention that I'll be quite busy next month with a surprise. That being said, I am still going to be doing a full moon episode, but there will not be a new moon episode. I do hope the consolation prize that I'm keeping a surprise will make up for that. The whole intro is over. Let's get to the guests. Hello! Taylor, always start with a song to get ourselves pumped up. Do you want to join us for a song? Yes! Is it a song I should know, or is it just we're going to sing one and then oh, we'll get there? Oh, we do something really... It always ends up being can't touch this, and I don't know why. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go off that oh. one today. We're gonna oh. do ah 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 ah. Staying alive, staying alive. Ah 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 ah. Staying alive. And it brings a weird energy. Oh god. Oh god. I did that really well. Immediate- I was surprised with myself. I'm happy. Anna with it. is like. Anna is like you're you're sleeping and you're waking up and somebody jumps on you with like a syringe full of an adrenaline and just goes. <laughs> <laughs> that is my that is my aesthetic. If there is any way to enter into an episode, it is with a syringe full of emotional adrenaline. Yeah, it's the that's way to how do it. Anna is all the time. <laughs> I almost brought some pirates booty, but I was like, I should say. Oh my god, the like someone else's oh, podcast. No. The curse of the pirates booty. Is that popcorn or is that? Cheetos. I think I keep seeing that in stores it's, and being like, one day I'll buy it. It's like a fancy person's Cheeto. It's like white cheddar. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's what, like, fancy-ass middle-class moms who are organic conscious get their children. Alternative organic? popcorn treat. <laughs> I don't... I think it's supposed to be, but it's literally just a cheese puff. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do she- she keeps trying to sneak it in our episodes. <laughs> I love it. We like plugging it or just eating like, it. I can hear that. She just tries to stealthfully eat it I during the episode, and it just hear. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I promise I'll introduce introduce y'all in a second. But quick tangent anecdote that doesn't relate to anything. I think I I've like been really self conscious about eating food in the mic because I could be eating like a piece of bread when I'm like calling specifically my boyfriend. And, like, he'll be like, I hear that, and I'm like, you're right. Yeah. I could never get away with Pirate's Booty. Mike's catch everything. I just don't care anymore. Yeah. About, like, anything. (laughs) I respect that. I I can sneak this. It's like, yeah, past the first, you know, handful of episodes. I feel like once you're past episode nine, you can just (laughs) Just roll out a bag of carrots. You've made your first impression. (laughs) I am at the point where we used to... We used to care a whole lot about what we said on the podcast, and now we've gotten to a point where it's just like, well, we're in Memphis, someone's getting murdered outside, look at that! Gosh, I think I've, I've just sometimes record this in Chicago, and sometimes I record this in the middle of a town in Michigan, and so the ambiance shifts from time to time. So, <laughs> but because of that, I stopped caring very early also. Um, why do you jump? Or the, do you have, is it your job? Um, it's a long story, but I'm here to, I can make it short. So I'm dating a German and eventually I'm going to get there. And I was living in Chicago up until 2020. And when I was living in Chicago in 2019, I was like, I'm going to have a lease that goes all the way to 2020. And then once the lease runs out, I can get to Germany. But then the lease ran out in Chicago 
and a pandemic happened, and so all the borders closed. And so, because of that, I've been, like, floating between friends' houses and parents' houses, and also that apartment again, because it's like, I didn't stop being friends with them, I just promised somebody that they could move into my room. (laughs) So I've just been, like, floating (laughs) around places and waiting for the border to open, which it has soon, and I'm gonna be able to do that soon. Okay, I gotta ask the important questions here. Where does one find a German boyfriend? (laughs) The furry fandom. (laughs) Pretty much. Anna's on the hunt. Anna's not in there. You're gonna have to be converted. You'd have to be converted. I'm a witch, okay? (gasps) That helps. No, thank you. I'm fine. I promised Anna I'm not gonna... (laughs) I promised Anna that I'm not going to say anything in art, like, in cryptozoology. To where she has to explain to her parents if they listen what a furry is. My oh dad yeah, has found it. He's oh, he found the listen. furry fandom in general, or just like no, your close proximity to it. Oh, okay, he's gotcha. Found my pod, our podcast. Like I was trying to keep it him from listening to it for a long time. <laughs> I can. But hide. he figured out how to use technology. If we get too furry with this one, I can endeavor to hide no, it as one... best I can from your dad. It's, your podcast is free game. This yeah. one's okay. I've told him this is free game. Like, I, free I'm not, range. I don't even tell our I don't even tell our listeners that I'm a witch but, like, here I'm like, yes, here I am. Woo! Yeah, I'm, the whole premise is I'm a fox witch, so everything is free game. Ooh, that being said, I should probably, it's been a couple minutes, I should probably introduce both of you. Welcome hey, back to hi. Fox Esoterica. We have Today, guests from another podcast for the first time in Foxo Esoterica history. So, may I cordially introduce Anna and Taylor of Crypto Boozology? Applause. Heck yeah. We have invaded. Woo! Hello, hello. It's exciting. Uh, so yeah, tell us tell us about yourselves. What's what's the vibe? What do you all enjoy doing? Cuz I think we do exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Well, I'm Anna. Uh, we live in Memphis, Tennessee, and, um, I am, been obsessed with cryptozoology since we were children. And we, we both published comic books through the same place, that's how we we met. And my comic book is about cryptozoology, and I was like, Taylor, I have this really cool idea for a podcast, years ago. I'm gonna type this down right now and quickly interrupt you. What is the name of your comic? Oh, gosh. I don't want anyone to look it up. Okay. It's called Cryptic, but it's uh, it's published through 901 Comics here in Memphis. So you got to actually go to the oh, yeah, all right. Eventually, we'll have an online store. Yeah, okay, because I would love to read that immediately. I could also cut that out if you want me to like not have that in the podcast. But I would love to read no, that as soon as I can. That sounds fun. It's okay. I'm just I'm ashamed of the first one because as an artist, I look back and cringe. You know, cut. But uh, the second one looked a whole lot better to me, but um, it didn't get published because of COVID. Yeah. So, like, we need to go track down our publisher and be like, when are we getting published again? I'll check that out. That sounds fun. Shave off and be like, yeah, hmm? I was going to say, I'll check that out. That sounds fun. But interruption over. You can tell us more about yourself now. <laughs> Where was I? You, you mentioned your comics. Oh. Oh, so years ago, I was telling him about my cool podcast idea, Cryptoboozology, and it never got to fruition with anyone. And then, like, somewhere in the beginning of the pandemic, Taylor was like, Anna, we're making the podcast. Anna, I'm going insane. Please help. (laughs) I did that. (laughs) So 
And I also do a podcast and was an art student with no training in any audio platform ever. So of course I'm going to do that instead of my actual comic art. <laughs> well, both of us are starving artists. I went to Christian Brothers for graphic design and he went to uh, Memphis College of Art. Rip. Rest in peace. Rip. Is that like uh, not around or, uh, anymore? Or is it just not a fun place? Oh no, it's de- it's defunct. It, it the year I graduated was like the year they announced they were closing. Oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, they but they're closed closed. Oh rip. Is I'm your so degree sorry. still valid? <laughs> yeah. Degree's still valid. Degree's still valid. So yeah, we're both two starving artists that just kinda created a podcast. That's wanted to drink and talk about monsters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what um you know about me, but I do the performing arts, so I too am a starving artist that is also now doing a cryptid podcast. <laughs> so I I feel that intimately. <laughs> We're all on the same page here. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Taylor, <laughs> what's... Or, oh my gosh, wait, sorry, I was gonna, like, say, what's your vibe, if you have anything to add that you didn't add when you added something that you added? Oh, yeah, other than the fact that I do comics, too, I have a little comic called Crescent Cove that's a 1920s comic. And his you can buy online. Yeah, Tell mine is on Gumroad. Go get it. Crescent Cove. It's delightful. That is also not typed in. <laughs> yeah, if you like the Bendy and the Ink Machine kind of 1920s style, it might be for you. And it also has uh, references to cryptids in it. That's amazing. Anyway, that uh, anybody have anything else to add? And it's just over here, like, dancing. I'm in dancing a chair. with your boyfriend. He's, we started doing the YMCA at each other. Oh, is, are, are y'all having a. Sorry, this is how it goes. <laughs> Do you have your. Not to. Pry, but is your third guest also there also? Oh yeah, my boyfriend is in the other room playing video games. We have like Hello, eye boyfriend. contact from where I'm sitting. He says hi, boyfriend. Yeah, Persetti says Hello, hi. Person. My throat sounds like ass right now. Okay. He's tired. That's okay. <laughs> Who among us is not? Sw- yeah, swim lessons destroyed his voice. What kind of oh, lessons? Oh yeah, he got them. Uh, swim lessons. He's a swim teacher. Okay. He does everything pool related, basically. Yeah, the summer is a big time for swim lessons here. I can... Probably everywhere, but here especially. Well, yeah, you you all have like more heat than we do, and also less Great Lakes, so that makes sense. Yeah, it's hot and humid, and the water is the one place the mosquitoes can't get you. Yeah, if yeah. you. We just recorded our last episode, and it is insect based, and we talked a lot about mosquitoes. Okay. I'm excited to hear it. Oh, yeah, and I, I guess we even, like, brought it up. I said it by name, and I'll spell it out at the end of the episode. I think I actually recorded the outro and fully spelled it out, so it's easy to find. But um, you also do the podcast Cryptoboozology, which is fun and great, if we haven't said the name in yeah. full. I think we did. <laughs> yeah. With or without an E, we, the E might get destroyed. Well, I, it depends. I think it's easier with the E, because you... You just spell booze and then ology. I think it's yeah. easier for people, but like, it's an either way thing. But not on I Twitter just... because it was one too long. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I fully made up just two words for my title, so I feel that they might undergo spelling changes at a point. Well, actually, our uh, the name of our podcast was created by my best friend, Rachel, because she was originally going to do this podcast with me. But uh, she 
is not into cryptids like I am. She just got bored. That's fair. She just wanted a podcast. Well, but right goes to Rachel. Rachel. She made our name. Hmm? Oh, I was just saying what you were saying. Shouts to Rachel. Um, before we begin, I actually like to ask my guests four specific questions, um, if you're all ready for that. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, let's go! The first question is, what is your belief in regards of things like ghosts, cryptids, aliens, any of the supernatural, esoteric things in the world? I'll let you go first this time. Don't let me go first. I am the, the awful villain... I'm the bad guy. I'm the skeptic. That's okay. Our podcast. I'll make fun of you, but I, that's okay. That, it's fine. I, I do lean toward agnostic with some things, but uh, I, I want to believe real bad. But I've just, I haven't had a ghost come and kick my ass yet, and I'm waiting for it every day. I'm here that for might it. be a lie, actually, the more I think about it. I feel like a ghost has kicked your ass before. Like, my biggest question in life is how many ghosts are, like, in the window of old houses and people just walk by like oh look at that lady that's always in that window and they never creep anyone out molly the ghost of the local mexican restaurant might have followed me home and given me a horrible case of the shivers so that helps with the agnosticism part so maybe hopefully there's something but i don't know that is a fair assumption assessment I insulted her beans i'm pretty sure that's why how dare you insult her beans that's an easy way to get a ghost or a furry mad they were too dry. I'm sorry, Molly. <laughs> Anna, what is your belief um, lineage? I'm getting shivers because this is what guys always ask me on, like, dating apps. Because I'm always, like, I'm into cryptozoology. And they're like, so you believe in Bigfoot? They're asking <laughs> Mr. Foot. Anyway, I am more of a believer than... I am more of a believer than Taylor. But, um, I wouldn't really say I uh, I completely believe in everything. I just choose to believe in everything because that makes my life more fun, I think. I feel it. Are there Especially some things the- that you... Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah the, uh, go ahead, ask it. I was about to answer Oh, I was going to say, are there like uh, more things that you'd believe in more so than others? Like, are you a big ghost person but like, no to the aliens at all? That's out of here. I really believe in the Fae. Uh, my grandmother Ooh, okay. actually uh, came here from Ireland, and sometimes I think that some fae just followed her, and now they stalk me, hiding my shit all the time. I'm still looking for my lipstick. There's one lipstick in particular. Every time I buy it, they hide it from me. Yep. See, the gnomes take your lipstick first, and one day they're going to take you. <laughs> they're going to take me one day. Uh-huh. No. But, that sounds um, like it would be a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> But the Fae I really believe in, I do believe in ghosts to a degree because um, one of the reasons I'm so into cryptozoology is uh, my childhood experience with cryptids. Um, I, my parents' house is haunted by shadow men. Okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, an episode on that, but I'm familiar with the topic. Uh, we you, need to do ours. You, we do need to. I just haven't because, like... I need, we need to get far enough along where my dad gets bored and doesn't listen anymore because <laughs> he'll just, he'll confront me. But, um, every night at 3 a.m. they would wake me up and I would just see one at the foot of my bed and then it would just wander off and disappear. And, um, sometimes they would get even more aggressive and they would climb on the ceiling towards me. Okay. Um, that sounds... but I once ha- <laughs> Gone. 
Oh, I was, gonna, I, I was gonna say that sounds scary, and that would have been the there would have been a period after scary. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, as a kid, it scared me more than it did as I got older, because at some point it just got to go away. And there were a few other things I'd wake up to, like a few times I woke up with like a demon's face in my, like right in my face, and I was just kind of like, go away, I want to sleep. Like <laughs> it really desensitized me as a kid. That would... But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would, like, it, that, that makes sense, like, the more that that happens when you're young and then it doesn't stop happening, I imagine you'd, like, get pretty chill with it. Because I think, I, like, never grew up in a haunted house or stuff, but I, like, would go to them often, and so, like, if something were to happen, I'd be like, oh, this is not something I have to deal with every night. I'm a little afraid. Well, they never actually, like, hurt me physically, so, like, at some point I was like, haha, you can't touch me, ha 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 ha. But uh, at some point in my witchcraft, I started saging my room and they stopped appearing. And I think they hide up in our attic now. But I did have someone who was um, kind of clairvoyant come to my house once. And uh, they told me later that my house is actually on a Civil War battleground. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of those around here. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't throw a stone without hitting one of those. But there's some trapped little guys there. And all the ghosts are angry because they lost. <laughs> There are far less of those up by me. I don't think we we have one in Michigan. Well, there wasn't a lot of Civil War up there, was there? No, there was not. I don't know. I think I to think a degree we got like 1812 stuff. I don't even think we got Revolutionary War stuff up in Michigan if it's like, not like to the degree of where it's in Boston or something. That's true. Yeah, like I feel like most of the fights were somewhere in this area, like in the Tennessee, like in the middle area. Tennessee yeah. smack yeah. dab right in the middle. We're a port city, so it was hot, hot commodity. Yeah, everyone wanted to get a hold of Memphis. That makes a lot of sense. Now no one wants it, but. <laughs> well, to the next question, both of you kind of already answered it a little bit, but I'm going to ask you just in case you have any extras. Do you have any experiences with any of these sorts of things? And if you would love to share a brief story, would you have one? Besides the ones that you've shared. I've already shared mine, so you can go ahead. Yeah, you might have to mess with the continuity of this episode a bit. Uh, That's okay. I had a friend, uh, I went on a, it was on a ghost tour, to be fair. Uh, I had a friend back when I was 16 who swears that when we were in this one cemetery in New Orleans, was it? Yeah, um, he swears that something chased him down a hill. Ooh. Like a like a ghosty yeah. something or a monstery something. Yeah, yeah, a ghosty something. He heard footsteps like come up, like something was running through the leaves at him, and then jumped and landed right beside him. Okay, like almost like it was doing like a big jump right up to him, and he just ran down that hill as I was walking up. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. But... Which friend was that? Do I know them? No, you don't know him. Uh, I've never heard that story. Yeah, that was a high school friend. Uh, but that's as close as I've come. My mother tells me about possible alien sightings that she sees outside of the country family home, but me, myself, I've not seen anything. Wait, 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 go back. What has your mom seen? I don't know, and sometimes it's on Margarita Friday. So. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Those stories come up during that. Well, I usually have, I could make a story like that come up stone cold sober, so I'm a different case, but most people would probably get to not share that unless they have alcohol in them, I imagine. Yeah. She just sees weird lights <laughs> out in Tipton County, Tennessee. 
Well, we've talked about before how I believe aliens go out to the, you know, they go out to kind of the southern, no one, nowhere people, because no one believes them when they come out. Jim Bob comes out and it's like, an alien took me out to his ship and they did weird things to me. They don't get as much credit as when the scientist walks up and goes, well, they were carbon-based human, carbon-based beings from light years away. Swamp, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I think I'm still, like, in a rural enough area of the Midwest where I get a bit of that, where if, like, somebody from my town would be like, yeah, UFO, bada-boom, right there. People would be like, okay, cool, you're gonna stop drinking? So, <laughs> I feel that. Never. Oh, Unless I'm do in you Chicago. have an experience? Yeah! Do you have an experience you want to oh, share with us? I keep, like, forgetting to, like, do talk it. about that for myself, but, um, yes, I have a couple of ghost stories. Um... Or one of them is a ghost story, and the other one is a potential Michigan Dogman story. But the first, I think I've heard part of the Dogman when I listened to that episode of yours. Yeah, that's a that's I a goofy to one. I the Bray Road one. I think the Michigan Dogman episode is the one where I like go into detail on the story. But that one was me being just really bored one Halloween night, and then going to the middle of the woods on Halloween night, and then having something really big sneeze at me, and then run away, and then come back. And then growl at me menacingly, and also be really big. What? And I was weirdly hypnotically like, I'm gonna walk to my car calmly. And then got to my car, and then was like, What happened? That was weird. Adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk. It could be adrenaline, but if I talk about it being spooky hypnotic stuff, then brownie points. Well, <laughs> well, actually, we down here we have a cryptid that would explain for that hypnotic hypnotic trance you kind of got Ooh, which one would that be swift peter not swift no. peter oh uh, what uh what deer no not oh, deer not deer not that's deer. what they're called uh not deer are a special phenomenon in the south especially and you're, uh, basically the entire story is you're walking through the woods and you see a deer and something's wrong with it you just can't put your finger on it but you don't like it Okay. And you kind of walk away slowly to get away from it, and only later do you realize what was wrong with it. You're like, oh, that deer had three eyes. That deer's legs bent the wrong way. Ooh. That deer had sharp teeth. I've not heard of no, that. No, it's a not deer. But I'm going to look into that, because that sounds like, that's interesting. One day we're going to have to do an episode yeah. on them. They're you are an encyclopedia. <laughs> I've heard about this sort of we're thing at... with, like, horses before, but I don't think I've ever heard of, like, a deer variation what? on that. The horse one will freak me out. Horses freak me out. What? What? There's a horse one? I, I don't think it's like it's got a name, but I feel like people have reported that sort of phenomenon with like horses. I know like a couple podcasts that I listen to have talked about that sort of thing. Like um, one person described like a white horse that wasn't walking, but it was kind of just like gliding towards people without moving its legs. And then... What does that sound like? That sounds like something we talked about. Sorry, keep going. I don't know. Oh, you're good. I'm totally drawing a blank as to what the other one was. Uh, Silky. I'm pretty sure it's just like something English. Ah, the horse has red eyes. Ah. Horse cryptids are wild, man. Yeah. Tons of them. Oh, I got a question for you. Yes. Since you're kind of in the Midwest, have you ever heard of cornfield demons? Um, I, I don't know if I've heard it by that name. I've heard of that trope used in a lot of different, like, cryptid stories, a lot of different, um... Stuff like that. I know the Bray Road Beast loves cornfields all the time. I think I've heard a couple of, like, black-eyed kids type stories about them coming out of the corn. Well, let me let me uh, go more specific, because I'm not from the Midwest. I don't know what they're actually called up there. I've just seen, like, you know, Tumblr posts. 
But uh, basically, the story I've heard is um, in the cornfield, you see red eyes peeking out, and you're not supposed to look at them or they'll follow you. Ooh, I don't know if I've heard this one, then. Oh, that's a good Ooh, one. We'll probably be talking about a lot of red eyes today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do love me a red eye. Okay, I do have one more question for, for you when it comes while we're talking about this. Um, okay, so there's this elusive type of cryptid that I've been trying to stalk down for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, since and it's from the Midwest, and I just heard one story about it, and it was kind of like on Reddit, so it was probably fake, but it just it clicked something in me where I was like, that is something, and I want to know more. I don't think this is as fake a story as it might sound. I'm here for it. Basically. It's a moose-like creature, except for it's a little bit bigger than a regular moose, and its eyes are gouged out with black liquid falling out, and it's a carnivore with sharp teeth. Okay. I, hmm. Have you? I don't know if, I, I, I might have heard something vaguely akin to that, but I don't have a name that's coming to mind. But off the top of my head, I do know that, like, in terms of wild animals up in the, like, north midwest, the moose are the scariest ones that will kill you kind of like how hippos are scary oh yeah no they're they're a lot bigger than you think i had a i have something to tell you anna you do caraboo <laughs> fuck you taylor what the what <laughs> okay i'm sorry we have derailed your no you're good so much i think I, was that like an inside joke or was it a not inside joke just get it because it's it's boo like a ghost oh i thought you were referencing oh. we did I could uh, every time we say brain. caribou, I always want to say caribou like the guy from uh, that Christmas movie. I have no idea what you're talking Christmas about. Movie. Polar Express. Oh my <laughs> god. Caribou. Oh, I have a I deep appreciation like a for that caribou. game. That ga or the movie. I have a profound obsession with that movie <laughs> for no reason. We did it. We did an Alaskan cryptid one, and every time I had to say the word caribou, I went, caribou, and he never got it. No, <laughs> you didn't get my ghost caribou moose joke. This is caribou. That's not what you were saying. We're already caribou'sed up to, to a degree. <laughs> I'm on my third glass. Woo. Yeah, we're, we're drinking whiskey, so at some point it's going to hit us. Oh, yeah. I'm drinking it way too fast. I copied your drink to the tea. Um, and I'm going to feel that intimately. <laughs> well, well when you're done with your questions, we'll go to our, we'll, we'll talk about our cryptid drink and we'll talk about how it was in our That's exactly in what's podcast, in my script. So. so you're, you're brilliant. <laughs> Yay! Yes. The next question was already kind of answered by both of you, pretty much to a T. What is your religious experience? Or are you more scientific slash agnostic in addition slash without that? Because there's varying degrees of that and the identity with that. Slash, does your existence of, or does the existence of the esoteric and paranormal line up with your religious and or agnostic beliefs? Uh, I can go further into that. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'm, I'm pretty short answered compared to Anna in a lot of things. I, I'm long-winded. That's all I, right. Again, I'm agnostic atheist, you know, so I want there to be stuff that's more fun. But sometimes I'm a Debbie Downer. That's the best way to... Well, not being minded. a Debbie Downer, but, like, being, like, starting at base zero and letting stuff add as it happens, that's a good way to be. Every party has a pooper that's you. Party pooper. <laughs> <laughs> Usually most of my guests are now that I'm thinking about it, so... <laughs> there's We get a good rapport with that. 
But it's good because we bounce off each other. He has a big enough mind where he's a, he lets it in. Yeah. He lets it in for me. That's the best way to do this sort of thing. You said you wanted um, to go a little bit further, Anna, uh, with yeah, this question. Yeah, I'll go more into it. Um, I am actually pagan as a, I don't know, as in, yes, a witch. And I know that's kind of a big thing now for everyone to be a witch, but, um... Uh, me and my friends actually formed our coven about five years ago before the craze. Haha, I'm a hipster. <laughs> I think I started like one year <laughs> think, before, but I don't, I'm not in a coven right now or anything. I just like I think, threaded the needle of well, I trendiness. <laughs> I want to tell you how my coven was formed. One day, I sent a text out to my best friend Alex and said, Alex, let's be witches. <laughs> and he <laughs> said, Okay. <laughs> And the next day, we dressed up all witch-like to see each other and planned out our full coven, grabbed our other best friend, dragged her in, and we have been a coven for five years now. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Guys, it's not hard. But, um, actually, I have felt more in tune with the spiritual side of me way more as a witch than I ever have as an organized religion. I grew up Catholic. I was in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um... If anyone's actually leaning toward, like, you know, teetering on that edge, I do tell them they they need to try. It is, if you just silence yourself and try to talk to your higher self, you could call it your guardian angel, your whatever you want to call it, that person in your head, and just meditate, just, they'll help you figure it out. They might tell you something good. I like that. Um, I know that doesn't make sense. It did to me. No, it made sense to me. I was going to ask a little bit um, further. I know that there's varying degrees of paganism. Like, some people are like, I'm a Wiccan. I love the Norse pantheon. Or I love doing the fairy stuff. Is there, like, a... I was going to use the word denomination. That sounds wrong. But, like, a <laughs> subset of witchcraft that you like to think about of yourself in at all? Kind of like a spiritual tilt. <laughs> That's cool. Uh... I uh, actually lean more towards Celtic and Fey witchcraft because that's what my grandma was. I feel more attuned to that part of me. And um, I feel like there were women back in my ancestry that were witches back, you know, from Celtic, the Celtic line. That's really cool. Yeah, I do words well. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a fun background to get. I have one last question. It's really easy, and I also think we also already answered this one. Do either of you have anything you want to plug? I had just, you know, we'll, we'll trade podcasts. We'll have you on ours <laughs> sooner <laughs> rather than later, probably. I'm thinking we should talk about ghost witches on when he comes yeah. to talk to us. I would love that. We could do the Bell Witch. <gasps> we could, uh-huh. If you're up for that. Oh, I love I love the Bell <laughs> yeah, Witch very the intimately. <laughs> we could talk about the Boo Hag. The oh good stuff there's a lot yeah. of southern bell witches it goes back yeah. to you know all them religious people being like ow witch i don't want to be hicks <laughs> i think that gasp made me like inhale enough of the drink in my mouth so that it's a little bit in my throat i'm gonna unattractively cough go, a little bit go cough go cough a oh. little bit <laughs> oh i'm so sorry no, that's okay i have to edit so much <laughs> I, I just thought you would enjoy Weird that. terrors. No, that's okay. And, yeah. I, I'm probably going to edit a lot less because I love showing, when I say my humane side, I don't mean my human side because canonically I am a fox. But, you know, it's these bits like this that endear people to me. 
So, coughing on camera is really, or on mic well, is really fun. You're gonna end up fun. like Shrek trying to kick us out of your cabin. <laughs> well, it's what I actually tell Taylor a lot. Taylor's like, I gotta edit every part out. I'm like, Taylor, no one's going to remember the cough. <laughs> They're just listening on their way to work or whatever, and they they don't even know. You could have a glitch in there, and everybody would just be like, ooh, my phone glitched a little bit. Oh, well. To be fair, though, now that I'm thinking about it, I used to burp often early on in the process, and I was told I needed to stop doing that. But <laughs> coughs are cool. You become... Coughs are fun. You become hyper-aware of so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually... I'm actually an English teacher. <laughs> in the mornings, I teach... Chinese children English, so oh. it's always it always makes me laugh because I can't talk. <laughs> I have no idea how to talk. Also, I think I had friends that um, when I was doing the last play I was doing before the world fell apart. Like I know, like, like I had three people in the cast that were um, doing that online as like a gig, and I thought it was cool. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I really wanted to go abroad and teach English in Japan, but you know, COVID. Yeah. I gotta know what play was it. What play was oh, it? it was a not a like a written play. It was like a collaborative thing, like a devised theater type thing, called Rosie's Variety Ooh, Hour okay. at the Corn Conservatory. Ooh, Ooh that it was fun. fun. It was, I think it was like a lot of sketches more so than like an actual plot type thing. Oh my gosh, it's been a while, and we only were able to do it for half of the run, but it was like a, a really big feminist angle on it. Um, I do, and love I think feminism. that's the jumping off point and then we just wrote sketches about that so it was fun heck yeah it was fun yeah let's get into the alcohol because you anna came up with i don't wait did you find this or did you come up with it because i made it and i'm thoroughly in love with the beverage idea Uh, i came up with it um taylor likes to look up his drinks but i like to bullshit them a lot don't tell our listeners i'm a big bullshitter it's whatever you did today is working. I, th- I thought it would work, and it's working twice as much as I thought it would work. This is tasty. I've always been good with food and cooking and taste and stuff, so I've so uh, it's always been something fun for me to try new things like this. I'm actually looking into going into fermentation to make beer. Now. Oh damn! But uh, yeah, we'll see. actual boozologist. Yeah, actual boozologist. Props. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We won't go into that, but, um, but I had a whole lot of whiskey. I'll tell you guys the truth. I won't even bullshit you. I had a whole lot of whiskey and lime juice from when we did the Gremlin, which was, uh... The little few... Weirdos. We did an episode called Little Weirdos. Mm-hmm. We talked about, like, the Night Crawlers. But the drink was called the Gremlin. Oh, like the night yeah, and the drink was the Gremlin. I almost did an episode And on that, that was... Oh, little, it's good. Do little it. cute leggies. But, uh, it's just whiskey and lime juice. One part whiskey, one part lime juice, and it's a shot. And I decided to summarize it, you know. And so, a shot of whiskey, a splash of lime juice, and then fill that sucker up with lemonade and put two cherries in it for the red eyes for uh, for our little Mothman. Yeah. And there you go. You got a Mothman. This is the Mothman and, bed. Uh, I, I've always associated the Mothman with the colors green and red, so I thought this would be a perfect little work on that. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty and I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, we actually, uh, we weren't able to get cherries today because I was too lazy to go to the grocery store. Oh god, I just did the grimiest thing at the grocery store today. So, Mm -hmm. I was like, I want cherries, but I don't want to buy a whole jar of Marchino cherries. That sounds complicated. So I saw, I went to the produce section, and they had, like, a bunch of, like, 
bagged cherries like you would bag grapes, where you don't just, like, grab cherries and put them. I just took a couple off the top and then bought them for, like, 20 cents. <laughs> wow. God, yes. I didn't know they would sell them to you like that. My whole world is changed. I didn't, I, I, I didn't do it at, like, a person was at the register. I did the, like, self-checkout, so I was cheating a little, because I just used the same code, and I was like, yeah, I got a bag of cherries. It just is really light. Uh, that's I a literally thing thought I you just today. stole them off the top. I thought this would be a heist. I thought this would be a fox, the crow, and the cookie kind of uh, thing. I love that is a good song and also a good fable all around. Mm-hmm. But I um, was going to do that if it weren't for the employee at the grocery store staring directly at me while I was doing everything I was doing. Wow. That's yeah, so, amazing. Our Kroger's have recently put it in, so they're much... Better now, they actually know if you bought everything. The little self checkouts, I can't just randomly steal a spaghetti squash anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. I did well, that I've... accidentally once, and then maybe on purpose once. Not that I they have shoplifted for legal reasons, but when I was in college, I used to just kind of like pair produce together and then ring it up for the produce that you sell by count instead of by weight. And just, like, so the weight didn't matter. But then I got really greedy with it and started putting, like, tomatoes with the green onions. And then somebody working at the store would be like, what are you doing? Those are two different colored objects. How could you think you're getting away with it? And then I didn't get away with it. <laughs> wow. When we were in college, we all did desperate things. Okay, yeah. let us have it. Actually, when we were in college, nobody did any something like that for legal reasons. Anyway, kidding. Yeah, no, we didn't do any of yeah, that. Yeah, nobody no, did no, any no, of that. No, no, no. Never I never that. did anything to anyone's car like a petty bit. I was just talking about a story my friend heard. Yeah. I read it online once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last but not least, <laughs> hard shift. Uh, the encyclopedic collection for this evening, not that the subject matter is a surprise because we all know what it is, is Urumabu Phantasmo and Futura Stella. That's a recurring bit. You don't have to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have a, I, I, I like to elude about what the co- podcast material is about by this little encyclopedic recurring. I thought gag. I just. Anna is buffering. I thought I just had heat stroke for a moment. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just speaking right Latin. Now, we're smack dab in the middle of Memphis summer, and we can't have the air conditioning on because it makes noise. So I'm just sitting here fanning myself. Like, Taylor, did I just have heat stroke? I was going to complain about, like, a 89-degree heat wave, but I feel like I can't do that now. Sweetie, we have 100% humidity. Yeah, I can't complain about anything. <laughs> We're in the Great Lakes. We got that 100% humidity going on. I once had someone look at me. It's like, oh, you've got to be careful if you want to go teach in Japan. They got bad humidity there. I'm like, sweetie, no. Yeah. I, I've, like, never lived in Memphis, but I've been there for, like, the smallest amount of time in the summer once, and I am unaware of the fact that it is quite hard to not sweat in Memphis. So sticky. So sticky. It feels like 100 deg- degrees right now. Damn, that's that's triple digits, and that scares me conceptually. Yeah. Hello. Um, We're southern. Technically, it's 90 right now, but you know. No, but it literally says feels like because of humidity. Yeah. That's still a lot. Like, 90 is a lot. 
wore sweatpants today. It's like good for your idiot. skin. It's good for your skin, though. I am breaking out. <laughs> Don't you know here in Memphis we grow gills? Aw. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like I could make a joke about that, but the joke would pertain to, yeah, I swam in a Great Lake once, and that would be it, and it wouldn't be very funny. Speaking of gills, mermaids exist. Oh my gosh, speaking of mermaids, let's talk about humanoids. And now that was a tangent, or not a tangent, the opposite of that, a segue. Segway. Oh my gosh, the whiskey is hidden. This will turn into anti-biography. Yeah, sorry, I just talk so much. You have to stop We warned you. You This is really nice. I love getting people's backstories. That's why I like having a rotating guest thing, just because having people's backstories from all different walks of life and etc., mostly furries, is very fun. I am ADHD, and just, like, ta- the only reason me and Taylor can do this is because Taylor is good at stopping me. <laughs> That's <I'm>... my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here to help guide this. Uh, let's get into it. The intro. Uh, this is a script, so that's why it's gonna sound weird. It was a bird. Dot, dot, dot. Or something. It definitely wasn't a flying saucer. A quote from Steve Millette, cited by Point Pleasant Register, November 16th, 1966. He continued to say, It was like a man with wings. It wasn't like anything you'd see on TV or in a monster movie. Millette, his friend Roger Scarberry, and their prospective wives, Mary Millette and Linda Scarberry, parentheses, Linda and Roger would marry later, but like during the year, so they're wives to me, were parked outside of an old World War II munitions plant colloquially known as the TNT Zone. Yes. I was about to say TNT. Tint. tint. I'll get to that. Tint. <laughs> the, I'm tint, ready. the taint zone. <laughs> the taint zone. Uh, not since furry convention stopped. Is that oh, the new yeah. escape room? Ooh, <laughs> the taint zone. The taint zone escape room. Escape from my escape room. Anthros with knots be like. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> you can it was close to room any day, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer if you stayed inside my escape room. I have more fun <laughs> when it's occupied. <laughs> anyway, it was close to midnight, and the Ford decided to do some urban exploration, or perhaps another pastime that couples in private do. That I thoroughly support, though it is probably maybe not the case considering it was the 60s. I digress. When they caught something in their headlights, a large, light gray-colored flying man with a 10-foot wingspan and glowing, piercing red eyes. I'm a hard guy to scare, said Roger Scarberry, but last night, I was for getting out of there. They peeled out of their makeshift parking spot and floored it, but the creature followed them, gliding silently above the car at that the two couples carpooled in, even though it kept up with speeds of 100 miles per hour. It chased the frightened couple until they reached the National Guard Armory on Route 62. Once they were downtown, though, the two couples steeled their nerves and failed to satiate their curiosities. The four decided to drive back to the TNT zone and find the creature again, and indeed they did. It was almost as though this winged man was waiting for them. But as soon as they flashed their headlights toward it, the figure flew past the top of the car and fled to a nearby field, 
seemingly afraid of the light. The next day, the couple went to the newspaper and told them that they were planning on finding the creature again that night. The Mallets and the Scarberries weren't the first, nor would they be the last, to see a winged creature in Point Pleasant area. In the Point Pleasant area. A winged creature that would go down as one of the most prolific all-star cryptids of all time, going toe-to-toe with Bigfoot, with Nessie, and with the Chucupacabra. He's a world traveler, friend to aliens, tragic Cassandra sympathizer, and definitely the hottest eligible cryptid bachelor of all time. You know him, you love him, I know him, I lust for him. Dear listeners, tonight we're going to be covering The Mothman. I heard you two laughing and I'm curious. Anna is a terror. See, this is why I edit. What's happening? Anna is like sticking. She got into my fridge and my freezer and is sticking cubes of like whiskey cubes of ice on me. While oh I'm my god! To about the boss man. <laughs> That's just, I respect it. Forsetti, welcome to my hell, Forsetti. I don't know if you've listened to the episode, but I want, like, you could be doing far worse. There was an episode where I think somebody pulled out a knife in person. No, I was listening. I was laughing at what you said, too. I just got really hot and wanted some ice. I, yeah, you were in Memphis. She, she's I cradling it. ice in her hand and putting it to her mouth. <laughs> I respect it. I'm so sorry for Persetti. I think it's respectful. So you have nothing to apologize for. Not that I'm psychic or anything, but the next line I had in my script was, I like to, I would like to apologize. I just wanted to point that out. A synchronicity. What are you apologizing for? What are your sins? Um, <laughs> this is going to sound so, like, weird. I talked a big game about the Lake Baikal episode, making for a long episode, but this is going to be far more of a harrowing process research-wise. Probably. I'm writing before I do it. It wasn't that bad. It was as bad as Lake Baikal in terms of research. I had to read, like, one book and maybe, like, four articles. Easy. That's I that. Mean, <laughs> that's more than we've ever done. I think Anna read a short story in our first episode. Oh. Uh, did I? Been, I did! I like to read books if it's, like, a big one. Like, I feel like the Mothman Prophecies is the one to read a book for. Yeah, I, I haven't read it. I've seen the movie. Well, for ours, we usually, since there's two I also of saw them, the movie. and we're so long-winded, we, like, we don't really go deep, 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 deep down a rabbit hole. That would take so long. It, it does sometimes, and I respect the urge to not do that, because sometimes I'll just read a book, and I'm like, I don't need to do this. I could just go online. But The Mothman Prophecies is a short enough book for my attention span to not be burned out on, and also it was interesting. How long is it? Actually, that's, um, like, 260 pages. That's off the top of my head. I don't remember. That's Somewhere not bad. here, actually. Yeah, that's an easy one. And that actually segues nicely into what I was going to talk about. My sources. The biggest font of information by far would be John Keel's 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, which was also turned into a movie in 2002. Uh, John Keel a- wrote this autobiographically a little bit. Yes. I was going to ask if it's fiction or an autobiography. It was an autobiography. I think it started as a project where he's like, I'm going to, like, he, I'll get into it as a bit because he's got a weird background, but he was like, I'm going to research the Mothman, like, uh, as it's getting sighted and stuff. So he went to Point Pleasant when all the sightings were happening, and then 
he got involved with a, a bunch of stuff that I'll get into, and then ended up writing a book that was like, here's my research thesis. Uh-oh, I'm a part of it. Here's the book. <laughs> Do it! Welcome to um, the rabbit hole, dude. Oh yeah, he went so far into the rabbit hole, he fell into my Lake Baikal episode. Uh, for those who haven't watched it, that's a deep lake. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, it, I didn't listen to that one. I, uh, I should, okay. though. I really wanted to listen to your Toys R Us one. <gasps> it's that's good. a fun one. It's really I like fun. that one. That's fun a good episode list. to listen to, everybody. I like the Toys R Us one. Shouts to uh, Gambit. She was a fun host, and I love her. Besides the Mothman prophecies, though, I have a couple other sources, so I'm just going to bullet list them real quick because I feel bad if I don't mention them. I have a Point Pleasant reviewer news article from November 16th, 1966, off the Wayback Machine, as well as a Williamson Daily news article, Eight People Say They Saw the Creature, also on the Wayback Machine. I couldn't find an author for either source, but the newspaper posted it without listing it, so that's their fault. Um, there's also a couple of other articles that are, like, just, like, online news type stuff. Uh, man photographs creature that resembles legendary Mothman of Point Pleasant on WCHS ABC 8's website, written by Fallon Pearson. The Case of the Chicago Mothman, written by Sarah Bacon for NPR. Who is the Grinning Man on the Skeptoid podcast by Brian Dunning. Who is the Mothman and why are people seeing it around Chicago by Jennifer Greer and the Illumination website. Spoilers. And then last but not least, I was looking at Mothman articles and I found a coffee company called Sinister Coffee and Creamery. And they sell coffee, but they also have a link on their website where it's just like paranormal stories. And I feel like I wanted to plug them because that sounds like somebody conspired to make the most interesting website to me personally as somebody who loves cryptids and also coffee. Shouts to Sinister I Coffee and Creamery. I hope you know Creamery. that both of us. I hope you know both of us just reach for our phones and look that up. Yeah, so we were both very excited. About <laughs> oh my <Sinister> god. <laughs> they have a really good website. I accidentally found it, and that's why I'm putting it in the notes, because, oh my gosh, the website made me fall in love with them, and I have yet to actually buy any of their coffee, which I will this month. I see. Where are they? They have a tab for paranormal blog, coffee beans, and ice cream. The only th three <laughs> things that you need in life. Yeah. That's everything I need. This is a good company. They do good things. And I'm just going to say it without having consumed any of their product yet. Where are they? I don't Where can think I, go I remember. It's just on Google. It's fine. Okay. We'll go with it. <laughs> I was going to actually ask, because I am under the impression that neither of you have done a Mothman episode yet. Before I get like into the nitty gritty, what all do you know about the Mothman if like you have a sort of background... Uh, I know that mo I know the explanation that most people give, and I know about the bridge. Yeah, I go a little bit further than that. I am moderately smart about the Mothman, but I haven't I haven't completely gone down the rabbit hole because the one time I was going to, I got distracted by something else. Well, I'm here to help you go down that rabbit hole even further. Good rabbit hole to go down to. Have you ever seen the lost tapes for them? I've not, actually. I was meaning to do that, and I never ended up doing it, and I'm only now realizing that I never ended up doing that, so apologies. It's no. a wild show. Don't do not do that one. That one's actually not a great episode. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> They're all amazing, and you are just jealous. I love that sort of show to this day, and I don't care who knows it. But the Mothman episode was not that great, so you don't need to watch it. Gotcha. Anyway... 
Let's get to some sightings. Let's talk about this hottie, because I think he's cute, and I love him. I want to sight him so bad. So good. I need him. Mothman is my boyfriend. Prove me wrong. If you all haven't listened to the episode, I did a meme episode where we decided, um, I decided with a fur friend who the top ten hottest eligible cryptid bachelors are, and if you haven't listened to that episode, Mothman's number one. He's the hottest, and the most dateable, and the cutest. He should be. He deserves it. He does. Anyway. He does. I'm, we're all gonna battle for him, you know. I think He's everybody who I've ever talked to agrees. I'm going to... What do you love the most about him? His red eyes. Weirdly, me and my friend came to the conclusion that he was, like, one of those introverted people, but, like, once he opens up, he has really insightful conversation topics. He has really good... Um, opinions about the world and society, and it's like you get a coffee date with him, you sit there, you talk about the world, and it's just like an enchanting conversation. This is a really genuine person to be around. That's the conclusion we came to. If only I could find that kind of man. Mothman. Go to Point Pleasant. I should. I should go to Point Pleasant. I'll I'll take coffee out into the world. I like that he's got wings. He flies. He can carry you in a little bit. There's a beautiful freedom to cryptids that fly. It's either him or the a-hole, one of the two of them. Hey, there oh, is the a-hole. big. There is a bat squatch. I think not as into that. You forgot about bat squatch. I feel like bat squatch would just be Mothman, but with like an actual head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it actually looks like a Bigfoot with wings. That's it. That's not what bat squatch is. There are That's two so sightings. Still Team Mothman. Sorry. Yeah, Mothman's the. Key. I'm Team Mothman too. Team Mothman is amazing. Mothman is the best. But, like, if we're going to talk about hottest cryptids... Oh, wait, this is too big of a tangent. I'm not going there. Don't worry about it. I'll, wait, I think this is important because I would love to hear your insight, but I am going into it knowing that I'm fully willing to get into the next part of the script if it takes longer than a minute. Okay, I'll do, I'll do a quick version. How's that? Yeah, do a minute version, Anna. Go there, for it. There's a, cryptic, there's a cryptid in the Amazon. You know those pink dolphins? Yes. Go on. Yeah, the pink dolphins. There's literally a cryptid of those pink dolphins that just turns into a hot man, seduces you, and takes you down to his under to his underwater. I missed that one, and I regret it more than anything in the win. world. That sounds amazing. Man, I think we need to do a cryptid hottie episode too. Dang. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. I think about that every time. It's like I a think good about that siren. cryptid way too much, and I never researched it. <laughs> Speaking of cryptid research, I found some Mothman sightings. Woo! <laughs> One of the first sightings of the Mothman involved... You can tell I'm going into my script when I get into my actor voice. One of the first sightings of the Mothman involved five men who were present for the creature on November 12th, 1966. Kenneth Duncan and a motley crew of friends were digging a grave for Duncan's brother-in-law near Charleston, West Virginia, when wait. something... Wait, wait, wait. Digging a grave? I'll get to it, because a lot of people read this story and are like, hold on, are we sure they weren't committing a crime? But there's a good explanation for it. Okay, okay. Um, This isn't a silly story, but it's one of the first ones. Uh, Duncan saw something that looked like a brown human being, and the word choice needs work, journalist, uh, that buzzed past, and glided amongst the trees around the men for a hot minute. According to the Williamson Daily News article, Duncan was the only man to see the creature, probably stepping away from the grave digging at the time, which promptly, uh, f- where the, wherein the Mothman flew after him and teased him for a minute while he was stepping away. 
So while there is a bit of dubiousness in the story, I also imagine the five men weren't just like digging a grave and putting the person there. I feel like they were doing a funeral type thing and not just burying them in the middle of nowhere from the way that the word choice in the original news article cited it. So a lot of people read the story and are like, are we sure they weren't killing a person? No, they were doing like a low-key funeral from what I could gather. Okay, but like, where? They were just digging a grave. It wasn't even a graveyard. Yeah, they were what? just digging it. What year was this it, again? 1966. That is way later than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, like, it literally sounds like they were just digging a grave rim in the middle of nowhere off the road. I, it might I have been on, like, their own private property. Oh, that would make more sense. Okay, I'll take it. But I didn't corroborate that to actually know. I just feel like they probably shouldn't be doing that in the middle of the nowhere, so ergo, they might just be doing it on their own property. Uh, this would be the first documented Mothman sighting in the 1960s West Virginia. Uh, the double date gang that I mentioned in the cold open would be the third, but the second story actually only takes place 90 minutes to the T before the Scarberries slash Mallette's story. And this one is sad in as much as, spoiler alert, just to not catch anybody by surprise, a dog might have died. That happens in our podcast all the time. How it's fine. dare you? It's just, I've got to put We've it out there. We've seen so many dead dogs. Dead dogs happen. I care happen. more about dogs than I do the humans. Me also, which is why this story is sad to me. This is the only con in dating the Mothman. But we don't know if the dog's dead. However, contractor Newell... Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm drunk. Contractor Newell Partridge lived in Salem, West Virginia, to the northeast of Point Pleasant when he reported seeing a winged finger figure, uh, that was a typo, it's finger in my script, in a meadow outside his house. <laughs> it's the Mothman and his little feathered fingies. His little fingies. Coming in. Just grippy grabbers. <laughs> I'm off the... I'm drunk. Uh, We're all a little tipsy, I'm sorry. I chose a really strong drink today. <laughs> it's what I needed and like what I enjoy. We have each. Oh, I'm on the first one. You're all broken. I just want to be so drunk, I can call in sick to work tomorrow. <gasps> oh, I hope you don't have to work tomorrow. Me too. Me too. Uh, that, so, boom. We got Newell Partridge. He sees the winged figure outside of the meadow of his house. He was prompted to check out said meadow when his TV mysteriously went to static and was coupled with a high-pitched whining, breaking off at a high pitch and then starting over like a generator, verbatim, noise. And then his German shepherd, Bandit, frantically started barking at the front door. He took a flashlight and shined it into the outdoors and immediately caught the glowing red eyes of a winged creature staring back like red reflectors on a bicycle, quote. The dog's hair stood up and he dashed after the winged figure, never to be seen again. Sad part over. That's, that's Mothman's dog now. Yeah, Mothman's yeah. taking care of that dog. It's a moth dog now. He's dog-sitting, and that's the canon. Okay, like, Mothman was like, whose dog is this? And the dog was like, arp, arp. He's like, I guess you're my dog now? Oh, no, responsibility. And it's a hard thing to have to have thrust on you at point blank, but Mothman is the man to do it. Hey, you know what? It's basically having a little Henry, and little Henrys are great. Aw. I think I remember from listening to podcasts that Henry is your dog? Yes, Henry's my German Shepherd Husky mix. That's why I say that. Oh. 
Henry sounds adorable. Henry is my little angel. Please continue. Bada boom. Partridge was actually a bit more skeptical than most people, though. Uh, and when he went to the newspaper to report his sightings, like, even though all the weird stuff happened, he said that it was, and I quote, a freak shite poke, which is a hilarious word that literally every article quotes verbatim and refuses to admit that freak shite poke is indeed the best name for an animal. It's a heron-like bird. Freak. The shite poke. Freak shite call... poke. I have shite got poke. to call somebody that before the year ends. Oh my god, <laughs> can I call, like, a creepy guy hitting on me a freak shite poke? Like, sir! You freak yeah. shite poke! Yeah, that would sting. That would sting. Like, they wouldn't even know what you said. They'd think they were having a stroke for a moment, that they just kind of wander away upset. It's an easy way to daze somebody and then walk away. It's, uh, okay, ma'am. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll spend so much time processing what you just said. I'm just going to go walk away now. It's just like you give up and you're like, yeah, I lost that one. And then you walk away. If you're a creepy man. <laughs> You know what? I'm I need more ways in my life to get rid of creepy men. <laughs> Using the stunning technique works, I imagine. <laughs> Fun segue. Heron like bird is a great thing that this man came up with in terms of his observations because thus is the speculation that the police department decided to stick with. It was a heron. And that's what everybody for the rest of time would use as the logical explanation for Mothman. I'll get into into this in a sec, but I have not seen any heron other explanation besides the fact that it's like, here's the heron, the bird. You mean heron or red heron? Um, Sandhill Crane is the big one. Sandhill Crane is the bed one. And oh, then... oh, 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 we're talking about a bird. Bird. We're talking about a red herring, and I was like, uh, are, what are we... I'm so sorry. Bird, not fish, but that's a good um, question to bring up because sometimes these birds and fish have weird names that are similar. No, a red herring is when you're trying to throw the tail off, throw someone off a trail. Yeah. It's a red herring. This is an actual red heron. Sorry, sorry, my bad. You're all good. <laughs> not for not, though. On the night that the Scarberry Millette combo saw the Mothman, they did go to the police station to make a report. And Deputy Millard Halstead actually decided to head up to the TNT zone the next day in order to check it out. I'm going to get into the backstory in the TNT zone for a second, where a majority yes, of the mob please, because took I place. have so many questions. And I, I have, have so, so many, many answers. <laughs> uh, the TNT... Go, go, go! Bada boom! The TNT zone. It is a 2,500-acre section of the McClintic Wildlife Station. But it, uh, at this point in time, it is an animal-slash-bird-specifically sanctuary. But around World War II, uh, part of it was dug up in order to create a high-explosives manufactory-slash-larder for the World War II effort. So they erected a bunch of stone tunnels, concrete-storing, air-quote, igloos, and a bunch of various buildings for the facility. And then after World War II, it was promptly abandoned and returned to nature after the war. Uh, with the tunnels plugged and all of the random explosives stored anywhere else and not there. That being said, the Wasn't area became a local haunt for teenagers doing their Lover's Lane or Urban Exploration thing. I'm so sorry. Lover's Lane, Taylor! Sorry. Oh, yeah! I, I was, oh, yeah! You all did an episode on that. This kind of no, became we did a, an episode on Lover's Lane. This is like a little bit of a Lover's Lane, but it had the name the TNT Zone, which is funnier. Okay, that's yeah. where I want to go. Just in the nuclear... Factory. Okay, you know, that's going on my fuck list. All the places I want to fuck. The TNT, TNT zone. zone. 
Oh my goodness. Didn't it close, like, after Hiroshima? I mean, this wasn't like, um... Hiroshima? It wasn't like a nuclear thing. I think it was just a straight-up normal explosives one. It's oh, probably, it sounds okay. like a mining thing. There yeah. is a nuclear power plant nearby, but I think it's like across the river from what I've gathered from looking at Google Maps. Weird. <laughs> Google Maps is a good friend for these. Yeah. They usually have Google Maps open at all points. We have a lot of points. nuclear plants here in the south. I think... My cousin works for... I don't think I knew that, actually. I know that there's, like, maybe a couple within, like, a 100-mile radius of me. But I can only actually think of one specifically. Uh, I, the, like, if you're driving in the south, you just see them in the distance, leaving up white clouds of smoke. Just like, oh, what's that? Oh, I don't want to get near that. I'm going to Google Maps now. I am projecting myself there. <laughs> Do it. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna lean over. Yes. I think if you type in TNT Zone, you'll find the McClintic Wildlife Station. From what I've gathered. Please However, your story. We're just gonna explore. bada boom. The TNT zone became a local haunt for urban exploration people and also lover's lane type stuff. So were the Scarberries and Millet's swingers? Who's to say? Good for them if so, though. Jokes aside, What's that? They, yeah. It's, it's very funny to me that two couples were just like in this area and nobody ever talks about it, but if they're doing that, I just want everybody to know that it's cool. Have fun. Hey, you know what? This is actually a big question we bring up on our Lover's Lane episode. What do you do when you get there and there's another car right next to you and they're, like, doing their thing? Swing. Just, like, awkwardly nod at each other? Like, yes. Yeah, I would do like, that. What do you do? Game respects game. <laughs> um, so bada boom. The deputy I mentioned earlier did not have a difficult time exploring this area because he was there often when people would call and be like, hey, teenagers are here. So, here he is. He had some Mothman reports. He's out looking for the Newell Partridge's dog because he made a police report that his dog disappeared. Uh, but, and although this story doesn't lead into another sighting, it is to be noted that the deputy Halstead pulled into the TNT zone and was met with a technological anomaly immediately when his police radio experienced a garbled, high-pitched static noise almost exactly like the Partridge's TV. He then switched off the radio and then skedaddled out of there, very afraid for no reason, and then the police held a press conference the next day, coupled with the newspapers who had the reports that the people would give them, and then a uh, majority of the other newspapers got their information from said press conference. So here we are. Um, I'm going to get into the illustrious Mary... Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, I I'm sorry, we're... I'm interjecting. I looked at the TNT zone, like the McClinic Wildlife Management uh, area, and there's a picture on the drive or on Google that's of like a barrier, and it just has a pentagram and says the word "ghoulgasm." That what it says? Oh my god! That's yeah, the best all... thing I've ever heard of in my life. Oh, ghoulgasm. It's just spray paint, and there are two geese in the background, which make it better because demons. You know what? That's our new podcast thing. You know, it's just when we meet a hot cryptid, ghoulgasm! <laughs> I like how you just came after geese. I respect it. <laughs> They're just in the background of the ghoulgasm. Just, you know, okay, I'm sorry. We have destroyed your podcast. Nothing is destroyed. Destroy everything is salvaged. Also, that was, that was the, of all the segues that I could ever hope for, ghoulgasm is the best one I could ever have heard in my life. Uh, you know what? We could try harder to destroy Let's things. ghoulgasm it. <laughs> try harder than ghoulgasm. If you pull it off, let me know. 
So that's going to be a hard one to beat. This is where, though, I segue into my story to introduce the character of Mary Heyer of the Athens Messenger, who decided after this press conference, bada boom, I'm going to get all these stories documented because I'm interested in this. And then when John Keel, author of the Mothman Prophecies, showed up, they both had a very close collaboration in order to get the stories, and there's a lot of sightings of things that she'll get. Well, she's really cool, and I love her. Um... Fun anecdote, an anonymous editor decided to give the being the name Mothman, apparently basing it off of a Batman character, Killer Moth, which was apparently popular at the time. Okay, ta- oh, well, please so tell me you- please look up a picture of Killer Moth for me, Taylor. I'm on it, you know. I, I don't know this character at all. Yeah, I've never heard of I don't think I know it either, but it might be like one of the like 60s ones. Superhero design in the 60s is not similar to the way it is today. He looks very... Oh, wait. It's really weird. He looks like a green alien with, like, stockings stockings on. It's really weird. He looks exactly like Mothman. Yeah. If Mothman was a loser. I'm gonna look (laughs) up. If Mothman was a gay. Let's say that. If Mothman was a gay, he'd have these stockings. Because as we all should know, Mothman at this point in time is canon pan. If anybody wants to date the Mothman. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? That, after the press conference, though, everybody in West Virginia was like, alright, bet, and then came to the TND zone with guns to try to hunt the cryptid. And then a lot of people saw nothing. How many times have we seen a group of, like, teenage to young adult men show up to a cryptid sighting with guns to try to hunt them down? Mothman is one of them. All the time. Like, what do they Um, think they're gonna do? To shoot the Mothman? I would. If I don't think anybody would. Like, if I saw it, I obviously I wouldn't shoot the Mothman because I'm in love with him and also don't own a gun and also I'm a coward. But I couldn't imagine wanting to shoot the Mothman. He's so cute. He's adorable, and I can relate. Like, I wouldn't want to shoot anything. I think I'd like want to take. picture i think someone would be like you want to go shoot mothman and i pull up my camera and be like yes they'd be like no not what i wanted absolutely <laughs> like, same. Let's go. like it's the same thing i've always said about other cryptids if a black-eyed child showed up to my door what would you do i'd take a pic i'd take a selfie with them and ask what they are <laughs> actually yeah i would i was like listening to a bunch of black-eyed kids stuff because like that's always a fun topic and i think i would be afraid if i saw one like i don't I don't want to be the person to admit, yeah, I'd be okay with this. But that being said, I think I'd recognize it quickly and then be like, alright, I have a couple questions. Okay, like, I, I gotta bring up a tangent to bring up a point of what kind of person I am here. Do it up. I got a text from my friend yesterday, and it's just, would you go skydiving? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll jump out of a plane. You know, she knows this. This is my best friend. She knows. And I'm like, why are you asking me this? You know the answer. She's like, oh, I just needed it in writing because I have another friend that says they'll go skydiving if I find another person that will do it with us. Oh. You're the Anna factor. You are locked in, though. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'll be the first one out of that plane. Let's go. <laughs> I'll probably do that. The moral of the story is I'm an idiot. Oh, I would skydive. I don't know if I would. I would skydive. That sounds fun. I'll go hunt I'll go hunt Bigfoot, I'll go hunt Mothman, I'll fuck Mothman, I'll do a lot of weird things. Same. Little Mothman and a babies. Aw. <laughs> Wait, what? Let's not have me having children here. Mothman wears a condom. I imagine. <laughs> Be safe, y'all. Wear a condom. Gets it from the 7-Eleven. 
The STDs are a real problem. Make sure you wrap it or else you're going to happen upon a hard situation in your life. Yours was better. I I am too drunk to remember any of the clever sayings. Please never refer to anything I say as clever. (laughs) Wrap your willy or you'll... I don't remember them. It's like high school. I completely blocked out high school. Same. Taylor was going to say something before I, I disparaged myself. To get, you, you gotta wrap the leather if you want the feather. Oh! <laughs> I'm looking it up! Sex! Don't use a condom made of cloth if you're looking to lay with the man of moth. Yes, ah! there we go. That one's sort of like an ancient 1500s poem. Oh, it's for affinity time. <gasps> Are you looking up? Uh, I got it, I got it. Cover your stump before you hump. Yes. Don't be silly. Protect your willy. If you think she's spunky, cover your monkey. Oh, wait, no, I found him. Mothman has a fur affinity. Oh, Mothman yeah, has yeah. a fur affinity. It's not great. Never mind. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I got another one. If you go into heat, package your meat. <gasps> Don't make a mistake. Cover your snake. We were trying to do Mothman ones. Sorry, this is just a list of the good ones. <laughs> Anna's on a different planet. Already. I am. <laughs> no glove, no love. Oh god, I'm trying to come up Sorry. with one because I could just type one up, or I could use my acting I, I, degree. I took an improv class once. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just pick out the best one. Bag the mall, then do her hole. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I won't. I won't distract this anymore. <laughs> This is we're actually making okay time actually. I, I feel like we keep bringing up time stuff. This is fine. Everything's great so far. You're just gonna have some like random tangent cutting out to do that. I'm gonna leave the tangents time. in, and people are gonna understand that this isn't just an informative podcast. It's comedic. Good. I hope we're funny, everyone. I'm yeah, so sorry. I have no idea if I'm funny or not. I think I'm funny. I, think I re-listen funny. to our own podcast episodes because I think it's the funniest podcast out there. I don't think Anna is real. I think she's just my crippling anxiety anthropomorphized. <laughs> Anna's the shadow person in your life. Anna is, okay? I have three chupacabras stacked on top of each other in a crop top. In a trench coat or a crop top. I feel like it's easier to hide in a trench coat, though. Yeah, but I don't wear trench coats. It's too hot in fucking Memphis. Good, goodest of all points. And I uh, stand by my adjective choice. <laughs> um, so, I'm jumping into the script again. and I'm gonna point it out every time, because I'm forcing it. But... Yeah. Uh, so, a bunch of people, we're gonna see the Mothman, I have my gun, I have a camera, woo! And then that night, after the press conference, literally nobody saw the Mothman except for one person and her friends. Um, I'm gonna burp and I'm gonna cut this out. You're good. I know it got cut out, but that was a great burp. 10 out of 10. Much appreciated. Yeah, it was more of an 8 out of 10. You think it was also an appreciated, that's, that's passing. Factor. I did aim it my, away from the mic, despite the fact that I'm going to be cutting it out. <laughs> I would just wait till you hear all the glasses being set down from our mic. <laughs> oh, that's that's good ASMR my- though. That's like boozy and fun. <laughs> my brother, my brothers and I have burping fests 
all the time to see who could burp the loudest. Like, uh-huh. my my perspective is skewed when it comes to burping at Welcome this point. to Tennessee! <laughs> I'm a very small man with a very modest burp. Um, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh... <laughs> The wonders of the internet. We have no idea what this man looks like, and we're best friends with him now. Oh, I'm best friends. I don't think I know what either of you look like also, but I think you're both amazing and also the coolest people. My heart! Send a picture I know of what Taylor's soon. personas look like. Oh my gosh, okay. All of them. I'm sending a selfie right now. Selfie! Oh, I'll I'm do it. Do I'm this. I'll do it. I, I might edit this out, because this is weird radio, but <laughs> I'll send a selfie. We're back from the pause, and I found it because of clapping. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, everyone's there. Okay, so there's one person on the night of the press conference saw the Mothman. Let's go to Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Wamsley. When I said one person, I mean multiple. Uh, they were carpooling with a Mrs. Marcella Bennett and her infant daughter, Tina. When they saw an errant UFO sighting that shone a red light and did not look like an airplane. Uh, what was the squad doing that night? Well, they weren't just going to the TND zone to, like, see the Mothman. They were specifically visiting a friend who lived back in the nature area by the TNT zone that you had to drive to to get to their house, apparently. Uh, someone by the name of Ralph Thomas, who was, like, a superintendent of the area. And I think they are doing, like, a board game at night or something. It didn't specify. They're playing D&D. There it is. <laughs> Twister or D and D, both at once. Obviously. Instead of rolling a dice, you have to spin the thing, and if you can pull it off, um, it's a twenty. You hit it with your sword. <laughs> uh, what did Marcella Bennett see though? To barrel on through, like a rhino stampede. <laughs> uh, on her way back to the car, something jumped out from behind her car. That's the way I worded that. It seemed as if it had been lying down. Mrs. Bennett told me. Uh, John Keel, not me. It rose up slowly from the ground, a big gray thing, bigger than a man, with terrible, glowing red eyes. Uh, she actually accidentally dropped her baby, but the baby wasn't hurt or anything in the way that she dropped it. That's just a fun, not a fun fact, but just like an interesting that note. That baby belongs to Mothman uh, the odd <laughs> <laughs> The baby is, Mothman is just collecting a family of misfits, but instead of being misfits, it's just a dog and a baby that he took Moth from has, people. God. <laughs> Mothman has tons of little orphans that he just takes care of, okay? Aw, it's like Oliver Twist, but it's in Mothman's spaceship. <laughs> the odd thing about the encounter, though, besides the baby dropping, was two things. Even after the baby was crying on the ground, because it was dropped, but but despite that, Marcella Bennett was too hypnotized slash paralyzed by the red-eyed gaze of the creature until Raymond Wamsley found the two of them and then dragged them inside the house. And then two, the creature didn't seem to have a head, which everyone knows because we've seen pictures of the Mothman as an internet. But this is, like, one of the first sightings where the person's like, yeah, it didn't have a head. All the eyes seem to be transfixed on, transfixed on the, like, upper torso area. I, I have a quick question. Like. Yes. I'm so sorry. I forgot my question. That's okay. Oh, Anna. I'm so sorry. I had a good question, and it just you, went. It was gone. Maybe you'll remember it as I'm answering it. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> um, so... 
Oh, you're good, you're good. Everybody went back inside, um, minus a few members who were, like, out and about getting something. Uh, and so everyone's in the house now, and they hear scrambling on the porch of, like, the Mothman scrambling on the porch. And then the iconic piercing red eyes glanced through the window. Uh, after everyone looked at it and was like, holy shit, the Mothman, it skedaddled. And then the gang called the cops, and though the creature was far gone by the time anybody showed up, this wouldn't be the last time that Marcella Bennett would have to deal with high strangeness. How many times has Mothman had the Uh, cops called on him? All of them. Pretty much all of them. (laughs) I think that the, like, cops are routinely going to Mary Hire and John Keel and being like, hey, I have, like, 50 new things for you every day. He's a little delinquent. I love that. It's cute. I bet he has pretty eyes. Oh. <laughs> Hypnotizing, you could say. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, I remember my question. So, Marcella... I do remember my question. Yes. So, we are saying yes. his eyes hypnotize you. Yes. Okay, so that is a link through all the stories. That is a different level of kinky. Yeah. I... Ooh. I think it's not like a hundred percent... Ooh. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no, that was it. That was the whole thought. <laughs> so tell me your That's whole okay. fan fiction, Taylor. <laughs> the porn is now a hypno, um, con- uh, um, a tag hypno tab, uh, what else is a kink? Yay! Uh, I was gonna say something. I'm not so weird. Hypno shit no. is cute in theory, but when it actually comes down to it, you're like, no, don't touch me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually been to, like, a hypnotist for real, though. And I don't think I know where I stand on the validity slash applicability of hypnotism. Okay, that is something I do believe in. I, I have had a YouTube video hypnotize me. To do what? Oh. It was like a, a happiness and tranquility hypnotism where somebody, like, it just plays a noise and this dude's, like, feeling so good, you know, just smiling. And it's just this creepy man's voice going feeling so good right now and like after it was done i was like creepy grinning at people like and i couldn't help it so it worked okay the part of the discourse in that is like if it's not something you're automatically like into fully then it's some gray area like it has to be something that you're coming into it okay bez don't stay with abusive assholes okay they're never going to change but Mothman Preach. isn't one of those. He just hypnotizes you into going away. <laughs> and dropping your baby. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Children aren't important. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Continue for a second. <laughs> um, you're good. Marcella Bennett did not see the Mothman again, but she always had the presence feeling that he was nearby and that she was being watched. However, another thing happened to her. In early December of that year, a red truck was following behind her down a back road while she and Tina were driving. Tina being the baby. Um, the driver was a larger man whom she didn't recognize wait, wait, um, and was wearing the baby a bushy. That was dropped? Yeah. She was just driving and the baby was in the car. Uh, I guess it's like a point. But there's a guy in a weird bushy fright wig, like a Frankenstein wig. And he was, like, driving really fast behind her in an attempt to straight up drive her off the road for no real reason. So was Bennett that? sped up, and then the other car passed her, but ended up parking sideways on a dirt road to, like, block her off. So she did, like, a turnaround, and then peeled out of there even faster, passing a handful of cars, and then never saw that man again. Ooh, she pulled some 
good shit there. She just got mm-hmm. out. Yeah, she fast and furious it. Okay, what I'm taking away from this is that this perfect man Mothman also cosplays. <laughs> <laughs> I think I missed the first part of that, but the second part of that gave me enough context to be like, I agree. Yeah, the Mothman cosplays specifically as Frankenstein's monster. Okay, like... <laughs> but he drives poorly. Gonna make you dri- drop that baby again. Why not? <laughs> maybe he, maybe the baby is going to be like Satan incarnate, okay? Maybe he's just trying to kill the baby. <gasps> he predicted it. I predicted it! Or no, you didn't... I, I mean, it might... I don't think the Antichrist is Tina the baby, because I feel like it would have well, come up again. But that I was just like... I, from what in I the have Mothman's heard about Mothman is that he predicts the future to some point. So if he's trying to kill this baby, there's a reason for it, right? Probably. That baby's probably alive to this day. Well, fuck that baby. Tina, add us, all of us, all three of us. <laughs> Tell us what yeah, Tina to Bennett, I don't know if he's married, unmarried, your last name's different. I don't care. Tina Bennett, at me. What are you up to? I don't trust you. <laughs> at CryptoBoozology on Twitter. The Mothman doesn't vouch for you, I don't vouch for you. <laughs> Um, a lot of people who witnessed the Mothman, especially those who would share their stories with specifically John Keel and Mary Heyer, or also another prominent ufologist, Gray Barker, who is like around, but he didn't write a book like John Keel. Um, so they would experience very similar phenomenon, but mostly including black cars following them, weird phone calls at odd hours of the day featuring nothing but beeps or odd breathing, and then weirded black suited visitors, the men in black would ask a lot of weird personal questions, including, very specifically, do you believe in aliens? Hi, I'm from the census. Also, I'm from the census, mind you. Isn't that John Keel guy really weird? He must be making that stuff up. And then just a lot of stuff like that. Are we fucking hinting that Mothman is an alien? Cause That's I'm- what John Keel's hinting. John Keel's like, listen, the first one-third of this book is Mothman. The rest of it is UFOs and M- uh, MIBs. Just saying. Ooh, I am ready for that Indrid cold territory. I want to fuck a man in Oh, that was gonna spike the cap. Or spike the mic. But Indrid cold is coming the fuck up. Don't you worry. Yeah, he's coming. Do it! Um, but yeah, t- let's get to- let's, let's, I'm not skipping ahead. I, I'm just saying things. Somewhere around 100 or so sightings like this went on over the next year around Point Pleasant. Uh, Most people describe, and this is a paragraph out of John Keel's book that uh, does it very nicely. It's my John Keel voice. (laughs) It was a gray, apparently featherless, as large or larger than a big man, had a wing spread of about 10 feet, took off straight up like a helicopter, and did not flap its wings in flight. Its face was a puzzle. No one could describe it. The two eyes dominated it. In a majority of the reports of angels, demons, and saucer spacemen, the faces are also either covered in some sort of manner or non-existent. That's the end of the quote. Um, scientists, and I'll get to this later, have air quotes theories, but literally all of them, and I have not found a single other scientific theory besides this, have said, yeah, the Mothman was a sandhill crane. Good night. That's the only Fuck one. That. <laughs> I was here and born then there was an. Barnell, Barnell, I guess it's like a two degree bird type stuff. And that's why she died. What? If what? anyone gets that reference. <laughs> I didn't, but I like it. Anna's in a different dimension. <laughs> She's in the Mothman dimension. It for you. There was a murder where a, where a woman was pushed down the stairs by her husband, but he said a barn owl scared oh, her falling down the it, stairs. And- is that the one, like, um, writer dude? 
who wrote no, the military books. Okay. I'm trying to but, think of like, it, it was a big murder and it's a big joke in the crime community that she, uh, an owl pushed her down the stairs or whatever. That is the Mothman, Sorry. but not really, because Mothman's cool as heck. Mar- I was going to say, people never. point out, um, Mothman would never, uh, but people point out Sandhill Crane because the Sandhill Cranes have, like, a red sort of skin type thing around their eyes that is red, so if it's like you shine a flashlight at it, oh, red! Ergo, it's the Mothman. Um, but I think I have read that it's Barn Owl to a degree, not as strong as the Sandhill Crane, but a majority of it is bird-related, if not all of it. Hints all the feathers, I guess. <laughs> Which is crazy, because moths have... Yeah, moths have... They don't have, like, feathers, but they got fluff. Yeah, they're fuzzy. Whatever... I don't even know if that's technically they're called. They're so cute! They got fuzz. That's the, um... Not herpetology. The insectology one. It's fuzz. Um, there's an anecdote... In the John Keel book, where he took a picture of a sandhill crane around with him all the time when he interviewed people, and I think it was, like, cited as maybe four out of a hundred people were like, yeah, that looks similar. So, (laughs) that theory is not great. Close enough. Close enough, we got this. The Venn diagram has them, like, just by a few pixels. It's the little oval shape of the Venn diagram. Yeah, the one I always heard was that it was a barn owl because barn owls' eyes glow in headlights. But like, don't most they're like a, yeah, but they're like a weird red. But Henry's eyes do that too. Like most animals, glow weird red. Yeah, I think a your dog might just be that, a hellhound. There's a case of eye shine doing no. that sort of thing. <gasps> a but flying hellhound. Like, oh, Henry's a hellhound. Yeah, Henry's definitely a hellhound. But like, I've sent weird Skinwalker to be episode. Not episodes, uh, videos to my editor. And I'm like, hey, Rachel, what's wrong with this video? And she can't get it. I'm like, Rachel, do humans' eyes reflect red like that? And she's like, oh, fuck. Okay, that's one of the ways you, uh, see what a cryptid is when they're pretending to be human is because their eyes reflect in videos. Like an animal. Yeah, like an animal. Okay, that... I think I've never, like, heard that said outright, but that seems like a common thread between these sorts of stories. If that sounds really mm-hmm. stupid when you're sober, please cut it out. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I, I, I gotcha, I gotcha. I like it currently as it is, though, as a non-sober person. That's good discourse. We have another prominent sighting, though. And this one's really cool because it's by a Connie Carpenter, who is Mary <laughs> Heyer, the journalist's niece. So, bada-boom, her case is odd because, um, like a large amount of people who saw something weird in the sky... As soon as she had this sighting, she suffered a slight, uh, slight swelling in her eyes, parentheses, Klieg conjunctivitis, as well as a weird nighttime sunburn that she got in the night, which is like Ugh. full trace evidence that John Keel saw in person. Wait, 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 um, are moon burns a real thing? Can you actually get a sunburn in nah, she got a mothman burn. <laughs> but like, all the, she got like what was a sunburn from looking at the mothman. I've always heard weird, like, radioactive mutation theories from this, so that would... Yeah, that would be, like, a radioactive burn. Yeah. All right, the other thing I'd imagine is, like, if you see a UFO or something, it emits off a light that's, like, crazy sun levels of light that can do that in the nighttime. I have heard a story about, like, a guy who saw a uh, UFO crash and went up to them, like, the nice guy who was, and was like, are you okay? And he got 
radiation burns all over him from being too close. Okay, that's my deal breaker oh, yeah. if Mothman is on The Bachelor. is It's like, might give me radiation burns? No, thank you. Radiation burns on my pussy. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd be willing to let it happen. I'm committed. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, to be fair, uh, this sort of thing happened to people who saw UFOs way more than it happened to people who just saw the Mothman. But the sunburn conjunctivitis thing happened when Connie Carpenter just saw the Mothman. Uh, so here's her story. She was actually driving home from church Sunday, November 27th, 1990, or 1966, around 10.30 a.m., when she saw a giant winged man. And this case is especially odd, considering Mothman is a bit of a nocturnal gentleman. Uh, but she witnessed it standing on the greens of the Mason County Golf Course and describes it as a seven-feet-tall and very broad winged humanoid. The other odd thing, though, was that despite the fact that the sun was out, the Mothman's eyes were still glowing bright AF red. And then when Connie slowed down, she was almost hypnotized once again by the piercing red eyes. And then the Mothman slowly glided up without even flapping its wings and then started gliding towards Connie's car. Uh, She was able to accelerate out of there in time, and then the Mothman swooped over her car as soon as she, like, had to break or something, and then disappeared. Despite the fact that the sun was up, though, Connie was unable to get a good look at the cryptid's face. The one other person that John Keel interviewed actually seems to have a description of sorts, but we can get to that in a sec. Ooh. Now, I'm wondering, I'm like, is everyone else just, are they really hypnotized, or is it like, oh no, he's hot? That's what I would do. I could see him and be like, <gasps> oh no, he's brain hot. empty, oh, no, only I'm thought. <laughs> Oh no, Mothman, what are you going to do? Oh no. <laughs> what are you going to do to me, Daddy? Uh... <laughs> November 26th. I'm just jumping right in. In a suburb of Charleston, West Virginia, about 25 miles away, housewife Ruth Foster saw the Mothman standing on her front lawn, right by her porch, this time in the evening. And she is quoters, that's what I wrote, as saying it was as tall, um, it was tall with big red eyes that popped out of its face, my husband is six foot one, and this bird looked about to be the same height or a little shorter, maybe. Oh, and had a funny hate face. Oh. oh yeah, six foot is tall. I just am used to cryptids being like seven plus or something. Yeah. Okay. As someone who is five foot five, someone over six foot is ideal. Okay, I'm not bragging, but my boyfriend is six foot three, and it's great. Ooh, it's it's trout. <laughs> I just. I That's am a not man. a small woman, so when a guy makes me feel small, I just, I feel turned on, okay? I could hide in Mothman's man boobies. <laughs> I'm dating a European who is taller than me, but because he's European, he measures himself in meters. Uh. And so, because of that, he has told me his height, and I have forgotten it because I forgot to contextualize <laughs> it. so American. But I know he's taller than me and approaching six feet. Oh, metric system. How dare you? Like, go with the queen's feet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> America, why have you done this to us? We're so messed up. A little bit. A lot of bit. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. The only reason I respect feet is like foot fetishism, and that's it. Math is pretty hot. I mean, if your feet are close to, you know, 12 inches, mine are 11, so I can just round up. You know, if I have to That's what I, Oh, wait, mine might be 11, too, actually. Just for anybody on the I podcast who's into that sort of thing. 
I have never everybody. measured my foot size. Just women's sizes are fucked up all around, so. <laughs> yeah. Women's sizes just baffle me completely. I am a sarge. I am a size large at Target, but I'm a size small at Old Navy. You never know. Sometimes I would steal my old roommate's clothes. Not steal, we'd like collectively borrow because I think to a weird degree me and my old roommate were the same height and stature. Um, so we would routinely borrow each other's clothes. But that being said, it is still very hard to gauge when doing that because all of her clothes are different sizes depending on the store she's at. Exactly! It's a problem! It is very liberating to find your size in like, you know, women's clothes though. That's why mm-hmm. As a cis man, it's very liberating. Thrifting is so great because you're just like, does this fit me? I don't know. I don't care. It looks amazing. I am amazing when it comes to a thrift store. Thrift stores are cool. Um, so boom, we have a description of his face. Um. Oh, good. Yay! Boom. It had a funny little face. I didn't see a beak. And it was kind of like a small man's face. But all I saw were those big red poppy eyes. Can and then talk about the, the beak a little bit more? It did not have a beak. Zero okay, beak. Okay. okay, sorry. You're all good. You're all good. Because, um, like, it's like a weird, actually, that's a good tangent. Because a lot of like, people, before the Mothman got its, like, Mothman reputation, people were like, yeah, big bird, that's what I'm seeing. And now yeah, we have one person that's people, like, no beak. Do most people think they see a beak? I am upset about this. Is there a beak in some of these? I don't think it was a beacon as much as people see the wings and they're like, all right, bird. Okay, that makes sense. But that's my that's my reading into it instead of anybody's actual discourse. Let's talk about the Silver Bridge collapse. Yes, I'm ready. That's next on the script. I think about this every time I go over a bridge. We live by the Mississippi River. Oh that's a lot. It's if- out of commission right now because some asshole got, like bridge checker dude didn't check it right he was too scared to go under the bridge to check yeah, it our bridge has a big well, crack in i feel like it, once so you get that job you have to have to deal with it enough the mississippi bridge is out of commission and the old advertising company i used to work for has put up a sign for a bra company that says more supportive than the mississippi bridge that's where we are in Memphis right now <laughs> damn <laughs> we're just a big shit post that's fuck. That's that's a little iconic in a way that makes me concerned for the infrastructure of the bridges, of course. But like, that's impressive. Memphis doesn't have inst- infrastructure. We don't have that. I, what is yeah. that word? Infrastructure, smart things. Ew. This is Memphis. We do whatever we want. How about no city planning? How does that sound? <laughs> Rip, uh, shots to Memphis, but, like, when they get their act together. Eventually. Hey, Eventually. We, but we're not this bridge, thankfully. We're pretty great. Like, we can insult Memphis, but no one else can. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna, because I have yeah. neither the context nor the background. Mothman, listen, our bridge is in trouble. We need you to come here right now. Come more, he man. will not make it better. He will ruin it. Listen, I'm talking to my boyfriend right now about, like, our limits. He'll just give us a nice warning so we never go on it again. I feel like you wouldn't go on it in the first place. He's not going to even test that Arkansas-Memphis bridge. 
People don't know what we're talking about. You should probably get to your story. Wait, Memphis borders Arkansas? Wait, Memphis is the what? corner of Arkansas and Mississippi, right? I'm not a yeah. crazy man. There's there's Memphis, and then in Arkansas, there's West Memphis. <laughs> we're not joking. Gotcha. And then Mississippi has, like, South Haven, which is basically South Memphis. Okay, that threw me off because we have a South Haven in Michigan. Yeah. Do you it's guys like, have a Midtown, too? Um, Chicago did. Austin didn't have a Midtown. It was just a big city in the middle of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> Shots to Austin. Okay, like, Austin was the weirdest thing to me because I've always, I grew up in Memphis. Like, it kind of grew into a big town as you drove by, okay? Like, you, it kind of got into a medium town and then it was suddenly big, you know, big buildings. But Austin, mm-hmm. they took, they drove me into Austin, and it was suddenly like desert, desert in the distance, big ass city. And I was like, oh fuck, what's that? Oh, I keep forgetting that Texas is a majority desert place. I keep imagining it as some sort of Iowan corn state, despite yeah. the fact that it's very much so it's, with yeah, the weird. Mojave Desert. We don't count Texas as southern. They're like a different thing. I'll, yeah, that's the vibe I got. It's like Southern plus DLC. Southern, and then there's Texan. For five ninety nine, you can also have <laughs> Texas. One day we're gonna talk about the chupacabra. We have to go go into Texas. Uh, I want to do a chupacabra episode. At a point. I love chupacabra. <laughs> my my one childhood fear, chupacabra. Oh, I was thought chupacabra was like. Mouthman was the one that got me when I was young. That was the scary one for me. When I was a kid, I watched the unsolved... The un... What's that thing I keep telling you? Unsolved about? Mysteries? No, the tapes one. Un- lost Tapes. Lost Tapes. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I watched the Lost Tapes of Chupacabra and couldn't sleep by myself for a week. It was a problem. I think I read about... I saw one picture of the Mothman looking through somebody's window with his red eyes, and I was like, I don't need to sleep at the ripe age of ten. That's okay. No. I'm thinking about this way too much. It's fine. It's fine. If you haven't had a cryptid keep you up all night for many nights as a child, you're not a true cryptid <laughs> Well, a cryptid's keeping me up now as a full adult, okay, but just for bad. different reasons. I tell. I'm sorry about that. Okay, yes, I'm it was only for a I'm not fearless like you are. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to jump into the script. Uh, the bridge collapsed. So, I kept alluding vaguely. This is one of my worst fears. Well, we live next to the Memphis Bridge, so... The Mothman was tied to prophecy to a degree, and I've been dramatically keeping the details hazy. What? But the Mothman sightings did stop right at a point blank, right at point blank during a tragic event. The collapse of a suspension bridge on December 15th, 1967. More specifically, the Silver Bridge which spanned the Ohio River between Point Pleasant and Gallipolis, Gallipolis Ohio. It, it, I've seen pictures and then also watched the recreation in the Mothman Prophecies movie. Um, fun story, uh, segue, weed is legal in Michigan, segue over. Really high, I was just watching the Mothman Prophecies and then me and my brother were watching it and we're like, let's skip ahead. And miraculously, we skipped ahead right to the point where the bridge collapsed, and it was just like a bunch of people talking about, oh, injured Colt's calling me, oh no. And then we skipped, and then the bridge collapsed, and I was like, oh my god. No, it's it's worse if you don't skip, because it teases it so much. That's the one thing ingrained in me, is like, in the movie, he's having like visions of like 
presents floating by and stuff, and it's Oh my so god, ominous. that is n real. That happened to Mary Hire, and I'll get to that. Oh no! <laughs> she had that going on with her. Oh, I'm so ready. Do it! Um, but yeah, this is an actual bridge that actually collapsed and took the lives of around 46 people um, in the real world. So like... This is obviously a point in history where people related to the people have a very strong likelihood of also being alive to this day. So this isn't something that's Are like, oh my gosh, a bridge collapsed. Meme time. Like, it's an actual thing that happened and affected people and it was very sad and 46 people died. Um, the logistics of it was, it wasn't just like a random bridge collapsed for no reason. It was an I-bar, a suspension bridge um, that had both the suspending things going on, but also a bunch of straight bars with holes at the end of it that connected to each other an I-bar. Um, long story short, uh, the collapse of the bridge was chalked up to being a single I-bar beam that was weakened under the weight of constant traffic. The bridge was built back when there was really only, like, Model Ts going on and not full-on semi-trucks, so they weren't really accounting weight into it as much, but then they kept driving on the bridge anyway. Oh my gosh, that's... See, in Memphis with our bridge, that you know, has that big track in it that they found. Like they had Crack. to, yeah, they had to fire the guy because something like this was happening. Like this would have happened if they didn't catch it. Okay, so um, yep. from what I've heard from a civil engineer, because one of my older brother's best friends is a civil engineer, the guy was too lazy to go check under the Memphis Bridge. So he checked around the top of the bridge, but he was too lazy to go under the bridge, and that's why this happened. And it wasn't caught for way too long. It's terrifying. That's horrifying. We need a Mothman. <laughs> yeah. That's like He's... what happened here, but it's the 60s and like people didn't really understand it at that point. But like when it's actually something like that happening, mirroring the like actual tragedy, that's like full on horrifying because this could have happened. Well, yeah, I just when I hear these kind of stories, I put myself in the place of the people on that bridge. Can you imagine just, like, going to the bridge, like, going to go see Grandma, and it's like, crack! Yeah. And this and was like, near ah! the holidays, wasn't it? Yeah, like, that's the biggest thing. Like, it was fully, like, holiday traffic going on at the bridge at that point, which is why it collapsed. Like, it wasn't just like, woohoo, the bridge, and all the traffic is normally slow. It's like, fully stop traffic on the bridge because everyone's doing their whole I holiday traveling and gift shopping and stuff like that. I do have a question for you. Do you have the statistics on how many people lived and died? Um, I know how many people died. Don't know how many people lived. Uh, I could look that up real quick. I think I heard 60-something people fell. I, I just yeah. Silver Bridge collapse. Um, on Wikipedia right now. Plug in Wikipedia. Um, 46 people died. Um, uh, I bar 330. I feel like that's a number that's important, but I didn't mention it in my notes. But that's the I bar that broke. Ooh. Um. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm so sorry. I I hit my arm on my ear pod and it hung up on you. Oh, everything's cool. I can hear you now, and all is rectified. Keep going. I don't think I can find on the Wikipedia page how many people survived. Like, not that but I'm also skimming Still. poorly and have a hard time reading because I'm not sober. Yeah. There are a lot of people that die. That's that's the big point. Is <laughs> There are, what, 46 people I don't envy? How many people live? Yeah. Gosh, More, um, I think 
w- one third of the people died. That's me remembering poorly and fully potentially making up that fact. We'll take uh, so it. So forty six people died. Imagine like maybe sixty seventy people lived. Oh, that's a terrifying. lot of people went to the river though. Oh, I, I can't imagine that. Like that is like you really got to put yourself in this mind space. Like you're on this bridge, you're going to grandma's house or whatever, and suddenly you just fall. I'm sorry, I have to hiccup. <laughs> and you just fall. Yeah. And you're in the water. What do you, what do you do? You have to get out of your car and then also swim to the surface. And it's like after getting the shell shock of hitting the water, all the force is hitting you and stuff like that. Also, car um, doors don't it's just not an open. easy thing to just do. Like when car yeah. doors are in water, you can't just open them. Yeah, you need the special car door smashing machine like tool. Oh, that is the most horrifying thing about the Mothman is just this specific story. Yeah. Um, actually, I had a bit on that too. Uh, this is me going for my script verbatim. Okay. This is like fully a serious and real thing that happened, so I don't want to treat the whole situation like quotes. Ooh, look, the Mothman doing Mothman things. There are no consequences. But yeah, this was a event that kind of made people regard Mothman as an ill omen and stuff like that. Um, and besides that, it was like a real thing that would have happened normally just because of the way engineering um, existed uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which is why you'll read a bunch of stories like, Ah, Mothman was at Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Mothman was at Fukushima Power Plant. And stuff like that, which is far more apocryphal than the Point Pleasant story, in my opinion. But that being said, there is a small handful of sightings in West Virginia after the event, but most of them stop here. And that's why, like, the story is... This is me off script now. That's why the story is, like, sometimes heavy to deal with, because it's, like, the Mothman stuff is fun, and then this part is not fun. Yeah, and that's a... I, I will say, you might get into this, but that's a theory I heard, is that, like, that's why the Mothman story started cutting off, is because before then it was like, ooh, spooky monster. And then something horrible happened that affected dozens of families. Mm-hmm. And after that, the yeah. news was just like, we can't talk about the Mothman anymore. This, You know, we can't have that on here when something this horrible has happened. Yeah, and that might even be, like, a like full... Mothman stuff aside, or this is actually really involved with it, but, like, if the sightings stop there, in terms of, like, the media outlet, like, of course they're gonna stop talking about that. That's way less important than the bridge collapse. I don't know if you're gonna get into this, but, uh, obviously we're going to some point get into, uh, Mothman as a seer to the bad things that are coming. Yep. Okay, you keep going, then we'll get to it. Oh, yeah, well, there's, there's notes in it. Um, but yeah, that's like the, this is the indicator of Mothman as that sort of thing. Um, and I will be the first to admit that besides a handful of other things, and also the Point Pleasant encounter, a lot of times I'll read something like, oh, Mothman is at a horrible event? This is the most apocryphal and easy to come up with thing of all time, especially if it's in post. Um, but that is an interesting trope because it's like, not like anybody sees them besides maybe two or three people. After the bridge collapse. But he's obviously warning us. He's a good boy. Yeah. He's a good boy. I treat him as a seer as opposed to an instigator. The Ides of March! I I imagine there are some people that would, like, take that as a weird comfort. That, like, there's the possibility that there's a being out there that can, you know, foresee these things and try to save people. You know, I feel like some people use that probably as a coping mechanism. 
me one. Of yeah, them. and that that makes sense. I will get into that because there have been Mothman sightings in a place that I'll get to, where nothing has happened yet. Wait, what? Is Ooh, it Memphis, yes. Tennessee? But it is not. It's my own place. But I'll get to it. <laughs> Sorry. You're all good. Um, I did want to point out there was one sighting in November of 2016 where a man who wished to remain anonymous was driving along Highway 2 towards Point Pleasant when he saw something jump from tree to tree doing a little flying thing the way the Mothman does. Mm -hmm. However, it being 2016, the guy was able to get out of his car and take pictures, and he did get a couple in quick succession. Uh, wherein there's a winged man in different positions, which would be hard to, like, doctor to a degree, but I'm also not a Photoshop person, so who's to say? If you type in Mothman pictures, especially if you type in 2016, these will be the ones you see. Um, and though it was latish and a bit dark, so it is also hard to make out any details, it's not a great picture. But the anonymous man had actually just moved to Point Pleasant, apparently, and when he told the news station about what he saw, he had no idea what the Mothman was until the locals told him. And then he stumbled across Carolyn Harris and her Mothman diner, um, and Harris being the de facto gatherer of modern Mothman sightings slash enthusiasm, um, claimed that she'll hear about things here and... What was I writing? Claiming that she'll hear about seeing things here and there, parentheses, albeit way less than the 100 a year sightings that took place in 1966 to 67. That made sense grammatically. If you type, yeah. So that's, there's like a sighting that'll happen outside of the flap from the 66 to 67. And a picture got taken, which is interesting. Is it the one of the like horizontal Mothman with like a tree on the side? It's like. Yes, exactly. There's like a, yeah, a tree on the left side. There's a tree in the bottom, yeah, the corner. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm going to show it to Anna. Okay, let me see. This is the one. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not great, but it's like a picture. It just, it, you can see his legs too well, you know what I mean? It doesn't look like a natural pose. Yeah. His body is so I, long. I have to look it up again, actually. It, not, I don't know anything about Photoshop, so if I were to claim that something is well-doctored or undoctored, well, oh yeah, I see it now. Yeah, it's just a dude with wings. And a head. Well, um, I would be pretty wrong. pretty good. If it's Photoshop, they did a decent job. Yeah, I'm a graphic designer. My problem with this photo, <gasps> is he supposed to be so far away, right? Probably. His, I don't actually think so. I think it, they took it at night and it was well, kind of close -ish. From the picture I'm seeing, he's supposed to be so far away. Those legs should not be that specified. What's the word I'm looking for here, Taylor? You, detailed. They're not detailed, that focused. Yeah. Those know. legs should not be that okay, detailed that for that far away. Like, when you take a picture, the farther away, the more blurry, right? And those yeah. are just too detailed of legs for being, you know... And if you were to, like, take a picture of somebody, that probably wouldn't focus on the legs as opposed to any other larger body part. I know that's a weird thing to focus on, but it just doesn't look right to me. Does that make sense? I'll take your word for it. You know more about this than I do, and I'm totally here to admit that you it, hit this on the head nail -wise. It's a decent job, but it wouldn't be a hard job. Yeah, it, it, it's, it could be real, but also as a, someone who was a graphic designer on a previous life, it doesn't look... <laughs> Look quite right. Cool. There you go. And you know what? If it's 2016, Mothman craze is going on, 
why else? What, what's a better time to do something like that? I love me a good old In a photo. better place. It's a good one. I, I love photos like that. Just they look a little bit off and you're just like, <laughs> yes, give me more. Analysis time. Analysis time. That's how that word said. Mm-hmm. Do it. Give me that. What if I... It gave you a hard shift in the subject material and told you a little thing or two about Indrid Cold. Yeah. Yes, I'm ready for him. Do it. He's so great. My body is All ready. All right. This is how he shops so, at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Woo! Um, Mothman is not the first weird thing that anybody saw in Point Pleasant. Uh, let me tell you a little thing or two about a man named Indrid Cold. And I bumped my mic, and it was loud, and I apologize. I would just wait till you um, hear all the bumps of Anna setting down her glass. <laughs> Anna is in a weird place right now. She's drunker than she's ever been. Every, uh, me also. Episode. My sobriety is in question by a large degree. Anna is very drunk, which is why Taylor is guarding the whiskey. Like, I am going... Thank you, Taylor. I'm going to go bed, beg Zach to buy me Oreos. <laughs> I have Future for SETI respects present Taylor with the highest of respect. I'm possible. sorry, Future for SETI. Future Taylor knows how you feel. Oreos, Zach. Oreos. Future for SETI is looking out at the ocean like somebody whose husband got lost at sea, which is to say, understands. Future Taylor is looking out at the ocean like I hope Anna gets lost at sea. <laughs> No, Future for City hopes that somebody, ideally a Mothman, finds Anna, but also makes it so that editing's easy. As, like, a, like everybody wins. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> cold time. Keep going. This story is chaotic. Woodrow Derenberger uh, was a door-to-door salesman selling appliances, namely sewing machines at this point, when on November 2nd, 1966, sometime around 7 p.m., he saw an odd bit of road rage amidst a brisk, icy, icy rainstorm. While driving along Interstate 77... Oh my god, a moth just flew into my room. A moth He's here! I am. He's here! <laughs> He's here! <laughs> moth! It's me! Oh! Take me to your father. <laughs> He's floating around the little red light of my microphone. <laughs> oh, he's gone now. Moth! You've been blessed. Okay, so this is real. The story is real. I don't care what anybody says. I just got blessed. Oh, my goodness. So blessed. All hail Uh. Saint Ferdinand. Woo! Uh, I destroyed my own thought process with a moth. A vehicle sped past Darren... No, that's my fault. Um, A vehicle sped past Darren Berger while he was investigating a sew... While he investigated a sewing machine that fell in his backseat into this trunk. So he pulled over, he's like, oh, my sewing machine fell, I'll fix this. But, um, there was a vehicle that was chasing another vehicle, but the first vehicle ran away and the second vehicle stopped. And by the time the vehicle stopped, Woody Darren Berger was like, oh, that's not a car. Uh, Uh, he describes it as a big charcoal gray blob kind of shaped like an old-timey kerosene lamp chimney with two flared ends it gently cut off Derenberger and then slowed down and then a man stepped out wearing a dark top coat covering a weird metallic green shirt thing and the man stood out it was like a white dude with normal haircut and he was smiling quite large for no reason the man however did not speak to Derenberger and instead decided to do telepathy, all while grinning sort of weirdly. He told Derenberger to not be afraid and that his country was 
air quotes, less powerful than Woody's, question mark? He referred to himself as Cold, last name, and asked a bunch of questions about the cities and the people of the planet. All while his spaceship floated a bit higher so that the cars... Yeah. He was like, what's up with your planet, brah? He's not very good at this. Take me to your leader! (laughs) Injured Cold is not talented at the diplomacy thing. Y'all need to help me here. (laughs) All while the conversation was happening, his spaceship floated a little bit higher so that the passing cars wouldn't see it. Because people didn't really look up. They are just driving. So it's like, boom, out of the sight lines. Uh, then he asked the Derenberger to report to the authorities to tell the tale of this encounter and that they'd meet soon again. Colt got back into a spaceship that came back down and then they yeeted out of there. This was not the first encounter of injured Colt. Wow, I mean, that is a power move right there. He looks like the joke. Yeah, he, right out the gate, he's like, what's up? Tell me about Earth. I'll see you again. I need you to tell everybody. Of, of course, I don't think I could be threatened by a man named Derenberger. Tell me about Earth's defenses. Like, I think one of the questions was like, how many people live in a city? What's up? Do people have fun? Or do you have parks? Yeah, come on, I think the majority of the questions were like that. Well, like, that sounds like they're trying to move in. There's always someone with a weird name. I don't know if you've noticed this. You'll never not notice this again. There's always someone in these stories that has the weirdest name. Woody Derenberger. Derenberger. Come My on, name's Cool. Burger. Tell me about your species, huh? <laughs> not for not. Burger is a German word. I don't know what Darren means. No. <laughs> Just learning German. Uh, but people saw injured cold before uh, Woody Darren Burger stopped the car to have a little bit of a conversation. The other sightings are as follow. Earlier that day, actually, on the same Interstate 77, two anonymous guys report pretty much exactly the same spaceship chasing another dude, and then the exact same smiley dude coming out of the spaceship. But this time, Adrian Cole did not name drop, drop himself, nor did he tell the guys to see the police. He was like, hey, what's up? You guys human? What's with the cities? And then left without actually, like, letting them know anything. I also and then the two went to... <laughs> So they went to Mary Hire, admittedly a few days after Woody Derenberger came forward. So they shared their story afterwards, but claimed that it happened before Woody. That's where the weirdness is. It's like, maybe they made it up. Maybe not. Oh. Um, the odd thing, though, about this one is apparently they quote that a scientist man from Ohio visited the one of the guys and told him not to report anything. Unlike when Indrid Cold was like, hey, Woody Derenberger, please tell everybody. Hey. Woody Derenberger and Injured Cold are coming back in this podcast later. Uh, but it is really interesting because there was a weird alien dude predating the Mothman who was routinely and regularly spotted. Uh, speculation corner, one could be like, alright, bet, Mothman is just Injured Cold wearing wings and, like, weird red goggles. But that's boring. Personally, and this is the thing I will stand by, I bet the Mothman escaped off of whatever ship Injured Cold was on while Injured Cold was investigating Earth... And then he was like, I want to see this all by myself. And then now Injured Cold's trying to find him so he can bring Mothman home safely. Um, that's my headcanon. I feel like they're both from the same planet. Injured Cold's looking for Mothman to bring him home. Oh, oh I my like gosh. That. I do like that. That's adorable. Like, Faye, come home. I miss you. Why don't we get Netflix series like this? That's what I'm thinking. I want a cutesy. It'd be so good. They didn't go into it nearly enough in the Mothman prophecies. Cutesy Mothman that 
series. Yeah. Come on, See, Netflix. Talk, I always talk. I always made the weird assumption that somehow Indrid Cold was the Mothman. Well, isn't that what um, that- Amnesty did? Yeah. Adventure Zone Amnesty, they called him Indrid. We can't pretend that they're big, bigger podcasts. They are a bigger podcast, let's be honest with ourselves. I don't think I know this podcast, but I should probably look into it yeah. if I'm going uh, to be it, making it, a podcast It's a D&D like podcast, but they play other games, and they have the <gasps> Mothman in there, and Indrid Cold was the Mothman, and that's where my brain goes. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Mothman. That, that's a good conclusion. There's yeah. a good argument for Mothman being just a collection of technological apparatus for some humanoid alien to be able to fly around and stuff, especially since he got those vertical takeoffs with no sound. But that being said, I think Mothman's just a cute little runaway alien and they're trying to bring him home. That's the headcanon. I, I will marry you, Mothman, and I will protect you. He just needs somebody to protect him. He does! Um, that was a, a good, um, to indicate me barreling into the script again with no segue. Let's discuss John Keel now and the Mothman prophecies. Um, so a majority of the Mothman sightings and stuff were collected by John Keel and Mary Hire, tag team, working as the team, just destroying it, doing a fantastic job. Uh, a few stories show up immediately in newspapers or police reports, but those involve people who weren't afraid or, uh, to be regarded as loony believers, and those are far less frequent than the stories that Keel and Hire were able to get from just, like, journalisming harder, and then Hire, Mary Hire was around there, so she was like, hey... I'm from here. I get you. I'm here to hear your story. Yeah, I, I totally get that, though, because if somebody comes up to you and is like, I'm with the news, I need you to say something, you're like, oh, no. Show me your news card. Yeah. And then if, <laughs> if somebody comes up and exactly is like, hey, I'm correct. writing an obscure book that I'm sure no one will read, tell me crazy things, then you'll be like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? It's... That's how the book got created. People just... A lot of people opened up to John Keel even more than I expected. He has so many people that he talks to in this book it's crazy people are so interesting everyone has their own experiences in life and like if i could do anything i would hold up a sign that says, just says tell me your life for twenty dollars and i would get so many good stories i feel like it's a lot of the heart of the stories like this where it's like the personal stories that people have just been holding out for because they don't want to just like go to the news or something are one of the best stories which is why I feel like the Mothman Prophecies is a book worked as well as it did because he was like, I'm not just doing this for like a weird sensational thing. I'm actually trying to get to the heart of what's going on, and I think you're cool. I like that. Yeah. I'm into that. Um, Keel himself uh, lived from specifically 1930 to 2009 when he passed away, and his main career was a journalist. But then he turned straight up Fortiana enthusiast, getting into all the like aliens and ghosts and stuff. Uh, and did a significant amount of world traveling before he came to West Virginia. Uh, he was in the army during the Korean conflict, and then also lived in Paris, and then also Berlin, and Rome, and then Egypt, and then the Himalayas for a second. Oh, and like, has lived a life. He lived a life. Oh, <laughs> and then the he came indie. to West Virginia way later. Why would you, He's cool. Why would you go to West Virginia after all that? Just whatever. I don't know. I knew somebody. I knew somebody that moved to Millington, Tennessee, from Nottingham. Oh. Nottingham, what? England. There's a Nottingham, Memphis. So there's a street called Nottingham here in Memphis, Tennessee. So she was definitely me. not from Tennessee. The only I think I wouldn't know Nottingham if it weren't for the Robin Hood movie. Exactly. But that's beside the point. 
Um, John Keel's writing, actually, before Mothman, he was trying to tackle the Yeti for a bit, and then he was then trying to tackle the levitating rope trip out of India for a bit. That was his other um, thing he was investigating. Those were his big things. However, fun fact, it is cited that John Keel coined the term Men in Black because so many talked to him and people he knew. Um, so that's where he, uh, he came up with that term. And then Wasn't he also popularized the... Wasn't black back then? Everyone wore a suit. It was just in fashion. Yeah, but I think John Keel was the one to be like, wait a second, aliens? Yeah, like there's something wrong with this group of people. <laughs> the other thing he popularized, though, was that he was like, aliens slash ghosts slash cryptids might not be extraterrestrial or magical, but even if they are, they probably exist in some sort of alternate dimension space that humans have never written about or described. And then he coined the term ultra-terrestrial to be like, different dimension stuff, different time stuff, ultra who knows? Ultimate cryptids, Taylor! Ultimate dimensions! I'm into that. <laughs> I've only ever heard ultra-terrestrial while researching the Mothman. It's so good. Yeah, John Keel wrote that word out. So I'm into why. it. <laughs> it's a good word. I like the thought process, because it's like, who is to say that people's theories are 100% true? Like, my understanding of a ghost could be entirely wrong. There's probably layers to it I don't understand. I, I every day hope that there is, you know... I mean, surely there's more than what we understand now, but I hope there's, like, an entirely different, you know, book... There's a whole theory on why terrestrials haven't contacted us. There's a whole lot of theories about it. I'll send it to you on the group chat one day. Yeah, like, one day we're going to develop an entirely different science, like, an entirely different type of science, and I hope I'm alive for it. Dude. Also, I. And I feel like, not to be like, woohoo, this is the most important research of all time, but I feel like an appreciation for... Not pseudoscience, but, like, this sort of subject material is the segue that leads people into that sort of scientific understanding. Exactly. Why I'm getting drunk and talking about it? Probably not helping the discourse, but that being said, it's fun. I mean, getting drunk um, and talking about it is the way to live, though. Exactly. Yes! It's it's the fun thing to do. <laughs> and also the scientific thing to do. Scientific theory be damned. Jumping back into the script, uh, John Keel is under the impression that these ultra-terrestrial entities, these spiritual-slash-energial beings that play by rules of science that we haven't explored yet, will also lie often and then prank the hell out of you. Like they? So, anyway, John- yes. So scientists really need to start, like, setting their sights on Ashton Kutcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's one of yeah. them, for sure. Shia LaBeouf too, but yeah. mostly because of that one music video. <laughs> they're both they're both part of it. Everybody, you know, punked. It was all just a cover up. Oh, I see. I see the angle. Yeah, that was a very far-reaching joke. That's how far I gone landed I am. on it. They're gonna be like two people that get that. They're gonna be like, oh yeah. <laughs> I got it before they pointed it out. I got the brownie points. I'm gonna email them. Don't add us. Uh, if, I'll mail email. If you me. add us, I'll let you know the next episode. I will email send me a brownie. Also. I will send a brownie to your house. <laughs> I can barely deal with myself. Don't at me. 
The okay, so John Keel, boom. Am I getting pranked? There's a lot of UFO stuff slash Men in Black stuff. It's affecting major players in the book, and it's really consistent. I feel like something's after me for some reason, and I'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to point out the movie. Uh, the book got turned into a movie in 2002. I don't want to not point this out, but it stars Richard Gere and Laura Linney, and it was directed by Mark Pellington. And fun fact: when I first bought the book online at an online bookstore that sells books. I accidentally bought a DVD for the movie first because I can't read. And then I was like, damn me, I'm dumb. And then I went to try to buy the book again. And then the second time, I accidentally bought a kid's book about the Mothman because I once again refused to read the things. Is it the same kid's book I gave you for Christmas, Taylor? No, I don't think it is. There are a decent amount of cryptid kids' books. There's one about the Great Moon Hoax that Anna bought me. (gasps) That's so so funny. Bat people on the moon. Eventually I got the book. It took me three tries. Fun fact. Keelan Hines, in addition to paranormal investigator Gray Barker that I mentioned sometimes, would get involved with the Scarberries, the Millettes, Woody Derenberger, Connie Carpenter, because she's specifically related to Mary, and other colorful characters who experienced even more weirdness, including Indrid Cold himself, and then also Cold's friends Apple, Apple spelled A-P-O-L, and Leah, who would prank John Keel all the time by inhabiting the body of people from Long Island and then predicting things poorly, except the Silver Bridge disaster, which they predicted correctly, and then also Mary Hines had a very vivid dream about it, where, um, like, it did a really good job of being like, Mary Hines specifically had a dream of Christmas presents in the river after the bridge fell. Wait, wait, inhabiting a body? Yeah, the book kind of didn't go into it as much as I wanted them to, but John Keel was like, there's a couple of things going on in Long Island, New York, near where I live, where a couple people claimed to be friends of Indrid Cold, and then met him in a UFO on a hill. I should grab the book, I did not grab the people's names, but they're like, Alright, so I met this alien named Apple and Leah, and then every once in a while they can speak through my body, and when that happens, I'm going to call John Keel. And so John Keel would get weird phone calls from people being like, hey, Apple here, the Pope's going to get stabbed, watch out. Oh, so, I love that. I, see, I'm more baffled by the fact that Inverin Cold's, all of his friends sound like the equivalent of a white dude getting kanji tattooed on his thigh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, fully. This one fully says agree. tranquility, y'all. Uh, there's like a weird, um, God, I wish I had the book right near me because I could probably cite it way better than I am from memory. But there's like a weird, um, like, not, a, like it wasn't, I want to say butterfly person. It wasn't like anybody saw it. It's not like, oh my gosh, a person with wings. It was like somebody who was calling people on the phone and being like, hey, it's me, the moon butterfly or something. I have some prophecies. And it was just like weird, uh, like, pe- it, like if somebody were to be hoaxing, they'd be like, okay, they've been paying attention to this stuff and they're going to get fully into the weird, injured, cold culture. And then I'll get into that in a second because Woody Derenberger will eventually fly to Andrew Colt's planet. Spoiler what? alert. Because <laughs> uh, the story gets fucking weird. Okay, keep going. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm Googling how long has weed been legal in <laughs> West Virginia. 
Like, You're what, what, correct all, what all is legal in West Virginia? No, these are New Yorkers now. All the New Yorkers are doing this because they're on Long Island. New York, West Virginia. I need y'all to mail me some stuff. <laughs> That's not. Mail me your Give brownies. Give me those weed and then also hallucinogenic stats. Do not mail me your brownies, so give me panic Whatever. Attacks. Oh my gosh, Apple, give Fair. me some of the brownies, please. Ma'am. Apple. Ma'am, Apple, ma'am. I love Apple. I am barely hanging on to how much whiskey I've drank today. Like, please do not send me weed. <laughs> oh, if I were to get crossed right now, I would just go to bed. And I can say that because I'm in a state where it's legal. Uh, that being said, one night on December 7th, John Keel first arrived in West Virginia to do his reporting. Here he is doing the book stuff. He met up with Mary Heyer, and then those two together met up with the Scarberries and the Millettes who were hanging out because they're friends. And then Connie Carpenter, who saw the Mothman, and she has a fiancé named Keith. And then another couple, the McDaniels, had an encounter that I didn't write about because I forgot to. Uh, but it was it was probably just like, oh my gosh, I saw a winged man outside my window. It's the Mothman. So that wasn't like adding anything new. Uh, but they're there too. And all ten of the people were just like, alright, let's go to the TNT zone as a squad. And then a bunch of weird stuff happened. As happens. It happens. Yeah. At this point, the police decided to chain off the zone because a lot of people were trespassing and a lot of people were trying to shoot the Mothman. Uh, but Keel became friends with Deputy Halstead from earlier, so he got to break the rules a little. Um, when once there were a dozen people in their trucks watching the sky silently, the area was now dead quiet. With actually a weird, complete lack of bird nor bug that everyone was like, there should be a bug here, what's up? Um, there's also a weird supernatural uneasiness that affected everybody just at a weird psychological level, except for specifically Connie Carpenter and Keith who convinced John Keel to actually go inside of a building, even though John Keel was also himself a little bit of afraid, while everyone else waited outside. She buffed up her willpower stats real good. Yeah. High wisdom. Heck yeah. Low wisdom. wisdom. High, uh, I can't remember the other thing, what it's called. Charisma, probably. Charisma, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. High charisma. She convinced John Keel to go in. Um, actually, fun fact, speaking of John Keel... After all the stuff that's weird that'll happen in a second that I'll talk about, he decided to go back there later that night all by himself in his car. He was just driving back and forth, and he, like, found a weird, specific, invisible spot in the area that triggered just, like, the most random paranoia. He drove inside and was like, oh, fuck, I gotta leave. Went out and he's like, what was that? And then decided to go, like, back and forth in between that zone until he could pinpoint its exact location to be like, all right, this is the zone that makes me freak the fuck out for no reason. You want to know the really weird experiment. freaks me the fuck out? It's called my office at my workplace. Understandable. If I <laughs> were at any office at any point, I would be stressed. I, that, I, I've been to those places, though, too. Where you just drive past a certain place and you're like, ooh, bad vibes. Not, not enjoying oh, this. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. I was doing a little meme about work in general, but there are places that I've driven by and I'm like, I do not like that place. It's not great and I don't like being around it. Boom. Connie and Keith bopping around in the abandoned building. They're the only brave people. More brave than one should be. Until Connie went to investigate a building by herself without Keith and then immediately was overwhelmed with fear as she screamed, those eyes, he's here. She saw them off then, but also mostly just the glowing red eyes, and then yeeted out of that building. And then Keith 
who didn't see it, took her back to the group while Keel was just like, wait, Mothman? And was shining his flashlight around literally every corner, or flashlight around every corner to see if he could find the Mothman, or just like a reflective surface in general, and found neither. Uh, when he got back, a police officer named Alva Sullivan showed up to help for some reason, but he didn't really do anything, and then he was also very randomly afraid, just like everyone else. Um, but the weird thing, though, was that when Mary Heyer and Mabel McDaniel, one of the McDaniels, saw a weird, um, both of them saw a weird tall figure running behind the building, behind where John Keel was in, they didn't think it was the Mothman at first, they were like, oh, that's just John Keel, but he was in the building. And then right after that figure ran by, everyone heard a massive metallic object fall, and it was a really loud sound. But Keel himself did not hear it at all. Like, he went on, he's like, what's up, squad? And they're like, did you make a loud noise and run by? And he's like, no. And I didn't hear it either. And they're like, weird. And then, Mary Millette's ears started randomly bleeding for no reason. Oh, And so at this point, everyone was freaked out and then wanted to leave. So they did. Yeah, I mean, the moment someone starts hemorrhaging, that's when you're like, no, okay, we're going, bye. Yeah, that's what they all did. They're like, okay, blood, bye-bye. We're leaving now. You'll have to excuse if you hear that fire. Oh, it, we live right by a, uh, a a firehouse, unfortunately. I think I do too, and it's been lucky that I haven't had one so far. But I'm in a small town, yeah. so a fire station. That's that's what the word is. Mary Hire was there, and that was not her last experience with anything. Uh, wow, I worded that weirdly, but she would see like 800 million different men in black. Like, they would always come up to her. Even when she was at work at a newspaper company, where she would see, like, uh, there's one specific example. Oh, shit, wait, I, that's that's for later. Um, but she had the really vivid bra- dreams about the Silver Bridge collapse. Uh, she would see a lot of lights in the sky, like UFO-type stuff, and, like, get all of the, like, low-key kind of Men in Black visit-type stuff, but nothing of, like, extreme note. For, like, the entirety of her life until, sadly, 1970, where she would pass away at the age of 55 with a sickness that wasn't, like, specified, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, Mothman sickness? It was probably just, like, a normal sickness. So, she passed away shortly after the whole story happens. However, John Keel did dedicate the book in her memory, so that was a nice touch. That's sweet. I'm glad that they didn't try to twist it into, like, the Mothman killed her. Yeah, he was pretty chill about it in a way that I respect by a large degree. Uh, he also dedicated it to a lot of, like, just general... Uh, the, the whole of the dedication was, like, to Mary Hire and the people of West Virginia. So that's a cool note, too, because, like, especially considering the bridge collapsed, uh, and just, like, a lot of people had a bunch of weird stuff happen. Like, that was a nice yeah. touch. And, and it would also just be weird after that happens, you know, if you're writing a book about it and you don't want to be... You know, you don't want to be insensitive to people you don't want... To, you know, be profiting off of their tragedy. But also you want to sell your book, so it's a nice little balancing act. He did it nicely, both in the moral sense and the economic sense. I appreciate it. He told the line nicely. Yeah. Connie Carpenter herself also had a bunch of things happen to her. And namely, they were men in black visits, asking for her to stop thinking John Keel was a cool person. And be like, that guy's weird. Like, right? I'm a census worker. That guy's so weird, right? Yeah. That's a recurring theme. Like, a bunch of people would show up claiming to be from, like, a census-type thing and be like, John Keel, what a weirdo. And they'd be like, what? Taylor hates census people. <laughs> I had I had one census worker, like, I decided, I kept getting the mail, and I'm like, you know what? What happens if I just don't 
do the census. And then a man, an old man, showed up at my house, and I'm like, it's real. The thing is black! Just the say man. you. It, so you don't believe in aliens, right? Yeah, just this like man was not in black. Outside. This was a man in blue fisherman's plaid. <laughs> yeah, that's the southern plaid. version of men in black. <laughs> fisherman in black. I was just like, I'll do blue. it online, I promise. Bye. I, and then I immediately did it, and I was like, uh, Don't come for me! <laughs> they win. Damn. You win. They scared you into doing the yeah, census. Yeah, I, I surrender. But yeah, if he came that up happened. to me and was like discrediting a friend, like, your friend is weird, you should stop listening to them, I'd be like, tinfoil hat time. <laughs> I'm going to listen to him with way more intention than I originally was, thank you now. Me and Taylor would have the coolest tinfoil hats. We'd decorate them. Mm-hmm. Connie Carpenter had a bunch of weird stuff, like men in blacks and phone calls visiting her, but she did have one extra scary event when she and Keith just moved across the river to Middleport, Ohio in February of seven, or 1967. Then she decided to go on a walk to get to a class. A man in a black Buick pulled up to ask her directions. A slick black well-dressed man, um, or a slick well-dressed man, uh, wearing a black suit. He's a white person. I don't know why I worded it that way. With a weirdly colorful shirt like injured cold and no winter clothes, Despite it being full winter, there's a blizzard going on. More Classic like men in black style. Mm. <laughs> well, he's cold. He's not wearing a coat. He's injured freezing right now, is what he is. Yeah, maybe that's what he was saying. He just, no one will give him a jacket. Hey, you know what? By the time I'm just stepping out of my car for a second to ask for directions, so I'm not going to put my coat on. Just, man! Good man! point. I need to get to any gas station. I don't need to put my coat on. I'm stressed. Help! Uh, that being said, this person was not wearing winter clothes in winter. Then, he approached, uh, Connie approached the car because he was like, I need directions. What's up? And the guy took exactly 0.5 seconds to lunge forward as if to grab her. And then Connie was like, oh shit. I'm stressed. And then bolted out of there and then ran home. After, like, escaping his grab, which wasn't that hard because he was trying to do it out of a car and very poorly. She got home, locked the door, and decided to not go to class for, like, the next two days. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a day later, a note was slipped under Connie's door reading, Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. Which is horrifying and stressful. Oh, God. I mean... I don't like that. I have... Yeah. I know exactly in my studio apartment what I would barricade my door with if something like that happened. What would you? I'd be pushing the couches in front of the door first. I was curious. Connie and Keith decided to take it a step further and then move back to West Virginia and not tell anybody. Oh, that's brave. Smart plan. Yeah, time to disappear. They did that. Um... The last person I wanted to follow up on, this is a weird segue, but uh, that's that story, and then this is a new story, and the last person I wanted to follow up is on Woody Derenberger again, because he goes on a fucking adventure. Uh-huh. Yes. After his first encounter with Injured Cold, he told a bunch of people a story and then got notoriety from it, and then eventually ended up writing a book after more stuff happened. Uh, however, as soon as he released his information, UFO investigators were fucking wild back then, 
And there's like a sub note where it's like a lot of people may have pretended to be men in black because it's like, oh, that's weird. I can get into people's homes. I'm a UFO investigator and this is how I get in like information uh, because people literally just walk around places where UFO sightings are found and then literally ask any stranger if they saw anything in a way that like wasn't great journalism. UFO investigators were weird back then. That's kind of terrifying. Um, a little bit. I think a lot of the Men in Black... Like, John Keel writes about... I think a lot of Men in Black sightings are just weird UFO investigators doing poorly. Um, however, Derenberger got calls and visits often from injured cold. And many people camped outside of his house all the time in order to catch injured cold with a net. Like, literally, some people had a net. Oh, no. That's really weird. Worse. That's even worse, because in our <laughs> podcast at the end, we're like, how would we catch this cryptid? And we're all like, net. Uh, well, you're not original. People in the 60s were like, that's how we're going to get injured cold with a big net. They beat us to it. <laughs> I don't, I would recommend a different strategy. It has not proven to work I so mean, far. I mean, the thing is, you could catch me with a big net. I'd get stuck in a net. Yeah, it would not really be easy for me to get out of a net. We need to use some bugs. That's what moths eat, right? Let's get some mosquitoes. Use like a big light. Just a big lamp. Yeah, a big lamp. Big lamp, big net. I'd rather catch Indrid Cold for the Mothman. I feel like he is Mothman, let's be honest. I respect that opinion. I think they're close friends and Indrid Cold is looking for Mothman. I'll stand by that, but I don't have actual good proof to back it up. I just think it's cute. If we catch cold, then uh, both problems solved. If we catch cold, then we'll have to stay home and not go to work, and then, achoo, I'm cold. Not go to there work? There we go. Oh, no. We just need to make him Indrid warm, and then <laughs> We need we'll to give him an Indrid hug. Indrid hug. An Indrid hug. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they were trying to get him with a net. <laughs> Apparently, in order to counter this, sometimes injured cold would send his alien friends, I'm saying aliens in air quotes, because who knows, but they would just like show up in, in a big black car to Woody Derenberger's house and then be like, hey, here's some medicine for a stomach flu. One time he had a weird stomach flu that he didn't know he was going to have, but then they gave him a medicine for it and he's like, okay, whatever. And then he got a stomach flu and he's like, oh, I'll take the medicine. And then it cured. A weird anecdote. Main takeaway here is that, like, they'd be like, hey, meet Indrid Cold here. There's too many people literally looking at your house. Uh, because, like, the UFO people were like, oh, that's just a government agent doing shady shit. I'm not going to go there or I'll go to jail. They got away with it. And this is all hypothetical. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of times they'd be like, hey, meet Indrid Cold in the middle of nowhere. That's where you get some more information. Bada boom. I think that makes him also, injured gold. Also, one time, Woody... I feel like it's injured caution. <laughs> um, injured pulled back, if you will. <laughs> uh, uh, we could, I could go on <laughs> for a while about injured. Dude, injured stole the show. He just got that, he's got that little, like, Sims diamond over him that shows his stats. Yeah, Mothman is controlling him. He's uh, basically Mothman Sim. I was gonna say it's the other way around, but you're right. Injured Cold is Mothman Sim, or his simp. This is this is my Whoa. human Sona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Darren Berger at one point also decided to see a psychiatrist because he was stressed and also wanted to make sure he wasn't hallucinating anything. Like, at this point, he's like, I should see somebody. But it was also encouraged by NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, a UFO club that had more money than most UFO clubs. And then they determined that, or the, he went to, like, see a psychiatrist and be like, I'm not, like, hallucinating anything, right? And they totally cleared him, and he had no mental condition that would cause hallucinations. It was, like, a big thing. And he went to newspapers afterwards, and he's like, I see this for real. Um, another weird thing, though, was one time Darren Berger got invited by a guy named Captain Bruce Parsons, who, according to John Keel's research, doesn't exist... And he got invited to Cape Canaveral to see the NASA facilities. And so Derenberger actually went and was able to take his family, who corroborated the story, but was also secretly questioned away from his family for hours by a name by a guy named Charlie, who A, claimed to be the head of NASA, and B, also doesn't exist, especially since they know who the head of NASA was at that point in time, and it wasn't a guy named Charlie. Charlie. Oh my gosh. Going to Candy Mountain. I thought Anna was turning into a ghost at first, but you know. Oh, Apple? My kidney. Ghost of my childhood. Apple's here. Sorry. I'm re- Sorry. It's me, Apple. You got you, Hi, you Apple. hit a small memory and the memory came up. I opened the memory third eye. <laughs> Boom, NASA, he's there, Charlie doesn't exist, but when he was interviewing Inter- or, um, Der- Darren Berger, he was like, uh, so this is like a star map, Entered codes from here, we think, isn't that neat? And then Darren Berger was like, yeah, okay, and then went home, and then the weirdest thing happened for real. Woody Darren Berger would go to a different planet, for like, for real. And at this point, I would like to explain that it's not like we can document this person in his day-to-day life. Like, at this point, it's like a little bit of hearsay, and we're like, wait a second, what's going on? But I think it's important to talk about his both opinion, uh, like, his, like, claims and stuff, especially since he wrote it down in a book. And it also does help that his family was just there, and they saw Injured Cold in person, and then they also noticed that he was on a trip like, often, and took a trip for, like, six months straight, and then would eventually get in a divorce. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but I would like to get to... <laughs> yeah, Woody Danberger's wife divorced him. Honey, I'm leaving you for Indrid. Oh, no. <laughs> it was more like the other way around. Like, I'm pretty sure Woody Danberger was like, honey, so sorry. Is that what you were saying? And I'm not smart. Oh, my gosh. This is turning into the plot of Doctor Who. <gasps> <gasps> I'll wrap this up. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> Boom. My brain is on for the last part of the episode because you were all fantastic hosts and I appreciate you. Uh, are are we? Um, are we? Bada boom. You were all fantastic. So, boom. Woody Derenberg is famous like Injured Cold Real. I'll divorce him later. Whatever. He goes to meet Injured Cold, um, goes into a black car, and, and Injured Cold's like, hey, Woody, want to see my spaceship? And then yes. drove Woody to a spaceship that looks like and I quote, disappointingly terrestrial. <laughs> and it had normal furniture and bunkers. Like, it was just a normal fucking thing, but a spaceship. What do you expect? <laughs> wow, what a... I mean, okay, that's kind of a jerk move to, like, be invited into a spaceship <laughs> by an alien and be like, uh... It's kind of so normal. Like, I've been into... Like, 
do you have Volkswagen's any like this. Anyway, he was like, let's go to Brazil and back. And that was the six-month trip. He just went to Brazil in the spaceship. Nice. Wow. <laughs> and came back. I could take you anywhere in the universe. How about Brazil? That's what he did. I don't think they went into detail on that, so that Maybe was a weird one. have enough gas for the next trip, okay? Like... Indrid's just like, wait, I know a great restaurant. Trust <laughs> me, man. They bring the food to the rescuers. A lot of... I th- rice and plantains are big, I think. Oh, yeah. From Brazilian cuisine that I've that. had. And, oh, it's so good. Plantains are delicious. It's so good and it makes you feel good afterwards. Indrid knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Indrid's... I'd go to Brazil. Brazil's cool. But after he went to Brazil, Indrid Cold was like, all right, let's go to my planet. It's called Lanolos in the Ganymede galaxy. Which scientists at NASA were like, yeah, that's Andromeda, when they were fucking around with Woody Derenberger when he went to NASA. So, Woody Derenberger went to Andromeda Galaxy. Anyway, they get to Lanolos. It's a pleasant planet with human-esque people who were also usually naked, according to him. But the planet was fairly mundane, apparently, because it looked like Earth, but, like, what if cities had more plants? And then the buildings were also flatter and lower, and people were naked. And then he did a little tour, and then he went home. I'd save so much money on clothes. Is is Darren Berger the hardest, like, to impress person on our entire planet? <laughs> yeah, and off it, too. Wow, he's just just so whatever, man. Oh, that's not what I expected. <laughs> Everyone's a critic. Like, I thought this would be cooler. Yeah, Woody Darren Berger could stand to be a cooler person. I feel like Andrew Cole fucked up. Probably yeah. just closing himself to him. He yeah, he the did. other interesting thing, though, was we had the time dilation thing going on, where although the trip felt like it was a week long, which is like, okay, wait, what? A week to get to the Andromeda Galaxy? That feels sketch. Wait, didn't it take that 60 being said, days to get to Brazil? Yeah, like six months to get to Brazil, and he was hanging around in Brazil, and then he got back and then went to Lanolos in a week. And then got back to Earth, and only an hour had passed. Did they just take the, like? Did they take a cruise ship to Brazil? <laughs> to Brazil. And they're like, "Oh wait, the spaceship." What if I twist the plot a little further to be like, "All right, Lanolos, thats a weird word." What if I told you that a completely independent and new person claimed to be taken to aliens to a planet named Lanolos happened earlier? <laughs> What? Land That's what happened to Washington, D.C. waiter named Tom. He did not disclose his last name. But he saw a similarly dressed to injured cold alien named Vadig, V-A-D-I-G, who asked him questions about the day-to-day to Earth. And then in 1968, a year later, um, Vadig showed up at Tom's work and then was like, Hey, you're at a waiter place. I know I look weird. Want to meet me afterwards? I don't have to stay long. And Tom was like, oh my god, you exist. But instead of being a very mundane spaceship, Tom got taken to an egg-shaped spaceship that looked really futuristic and completely white on the inside as opposed to injured Cold's old fixer-upper. Maybe it was a different alien species. That is an interesting point. However, Vadig was like, let's go to my home planet. And then Tom describes lots of plants and lots of naked people and lots of low, flat buildings and a planet called Lanolos. And then it was a two-lit week-long trip, but then he got back to Earth and it was like, oh, only two hours have passed. What's up? 
Indrid's just driving economy class. Indrid has a low yeah. spaceship. He he's trying. It's got a budget. It's a it's a nineteen forty three. It's not one of them fancy sixty fives. It can't go as fast. Not weirdly enough, though, it took twice the amount of hours to do the time dilation thing because you know Woody Derenberg was only off of Earth for one hour and Tom was off for two, even though he had the fancier spaceship. Oh, not looks that count. Cutbacks. Thanks, Toyota. <laughs> that being said, that's the main point of this story is, like, here's Tom, wasn't a UFO person at all for any reason, never met Woody or even heard about him or heard of Lanolos or even injured cold, and then went to that planet. And then John Keel found out about him because he came forward and he was like, I regret that. It ruined my life. Everyone thinks I'm weird now. I've never heard any of this. About intrude cult that is so baffling. Yeah, I've never heard any of this part. It's this so part crazy. Where did you go to find it? A majority of the Mothman prophet, like the Mothman prophecies book, it talks about the Mothman for like one second and then gets into all the weird intrude cult shit. Yeah, that's what I always heard. Like anyone that is into the Mothman that critiques the book, they're like, ah, oh, there's so much Men in Black, so little Mothman. Yeah, but this is what's in the rest of the book. Just some weird nonsense, like weird. Oh, uh, this is, like, you hear these stories at face value, and you're like, I don't think this happened. But, like, if it did, you're like, all the things I think about the story are now wrong, and I have to think about it a little harder. I don't like thinking. Yeah, it's just the Mothman is an afterthought. It, I don't know if that's more baffling, or the idea of having a little road trip with Indrid Cold to Brazil. Because <laughs> it's like, who would come up with that, too? Like, if you're going to come up with the alien story, why that? Uh, I think it's on the other side of the Earth, but it's not. Yeah, it's real. It's close-ish, considering. It's just downwards. Anyway, the story ends with Woody Derenberger coming back home, writing his little book, and then nobody took him seriously. He did not blow the lid off of anything. And then, like, he lost his job and then also had a divorce. Although he eventually remarried somebody who also claimed to be visited by an alien, did not get into details on that, and then died at age 70. Surprise, Although surprise. he never, like, rescinded any of his claims. He just kind of was like, I'm okay with having written what I written, I'll die, and I don't care if I prove anything to anybody, and then he did. Good for him, he stayed by his shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the Mothman Prophecies ends. It ends when the bridge falls, because that's around the time when Indrid Cold stopped visiting Woody Derenberger, and then the entity Apple and his friends, or hers, I actually don't know, would stop prophesizing things to John Keel, and then no one saw the Mothman again. Nobody really learned anything, and John Keel would, like, publish the book seven years later because he had to think about it and, like, do his research thing and be like, what happened? I have no conclusive answers. But it, like, brings a lot of information to the spotlight besides people saw the Birdman. But boy howdy does it make me ask, like, 80 more questions and make me get into, like, alien discourse when I wasn't expecting it with the Mothman. Especially since a lot of the aliens slash entities seem to be lying about themselves and not being great at the prophecies except for the bridge one and then disappearing as soon as that happened. Yeah. I, see, I knew that Indra and Cold showed up and acted cryptid, but I, again, I was not ready for road trips. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. I, to I All I knew about the name Indrid Cole was the fact that he showed up and 
Adventure Zone Amnesty. <laughs> I made her yeah. cryptid-based podcast. He did. But it's a I'll, good thing to listen to, and I do it often. Yeah. I'll, I'll link you this other one. But, um, it's a good one. You'll oh like it. Oh, my goodness. It, I'm... Out of everything other than just Brazil, I'm floored by Apple. I don't know why. I'm That's just, a weird one. I'm just, like, picturing Stevie Nicks with, like, really heavy makeup. For some reason. Just, like, I'm just picturing an iPhone. Inhabiting somebody's body and being like, watch out, the Pope. That's a whole recurring thing in the book, too. Like, Apple's big one was like, the Pope is going to get stabbed out in, like, an Asian country, and that'll incite the apocalypse. Do you think It never happened? Apple was just, like, a weird hippie from Indrid Cold's world. Trying to fuck around. Indrid Cold's, like, doing his science shit, and Apple, like, hitchhiked and was like, I'm gonna do something chaotic. I don't care. Apple is me. Yeah. Me on these podcasts. You know, I respect it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely the apple of the podcast. I'm sorry, Anna. It's okay. You're I all accept apple my role cool. in my life. Watch out, Pope. <laughs> Just gonna I have... stab the Pope. Yeah, the Pope never got stabbed. Like a, like a large part of the book, John Q was like, I'm watching the news. I'm waiting for that Pope to get stabbed. He never did. Oh. It was like a really big focus for him. Wow, he, he put a lot of faith in Apple. Yeah. Apple was just there to stir the pot. He didn't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a fucking meme pranker alien. Apple walked Ultra by terrestrial. Like, Hello. What would be a funny thing for me to say my name is? Oh, wait. Uh, my name is... See someone eating an apple. Apple! apple! <laughs> I'm injured and this is uh, Apple. And that's how yeah. Apple saved the Pope from being... Apple Caesar stabbed. Apple is now the Pope's right hand man. Aw. Maybe Apple like did it. Like he was like, oh, you know what? I can mind possess people. I'm just gonna mind possess the person that's gonna stab the Pope and then not do it. Six Simper Appleus. <laughs> At two. Apple for president. Apple. At two Apple. At, at two Indrid. At two Apple. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, boom. Story ends with the bridge collapse. But what if I told you there's another part, and then it's it. I did it. Mothman big. Big story. Oh, yes. Alright. So, boom. Sightings across the world, namely Chicago. Getting to it. But apocryphal time. I'm gonna cut to this chase. Mothman was apparently seen at 9-11. Mothman was apparently seen at Chernobyl. Mothman was apparently seen at the Fukushima power plant when the tsunami broke it. Mothman was apparently seen at a very similar interstate bridge collapse in Minnesota in 2007. Mothman, Mothman was, was apparently appara- seen at Memphis, Tennessee when their fucking bridge broke. Watch out, y'all. If you see the Mothman, I'd leave or just knock on that bridge. George Bush press conference. Mothman <laughs> threw the shoe. <laughs> wow. I Can you imagine being the person that, like... Is standing around when, like, the towers fall or, you know, when Chernobyl happened, any of those people, and just being, like, the person that goes, Mothman. Oh, hey! Yeah! 
That's why I'm approaching this so nonchalantly, because like all of these stories to me feel like they've came in post, and it's people just being like, "Yeah, Mothman portends disaster." What? And it's like the low-hanging fruit of claims. Yeah, to it, me, it it depends on how far from when the disaster happened that somebody made these claims that makes it worse or better. I yeah. Don't know. Either way, it's gonna depend on who you're talking to. That too. A lot of times it's not like somebody posting their own story. It's like an article that mentions it and it's like, alright, this is the news time. They're not gonna... It's Mothman. We gotta... We can Slow day. It it's way before Reddit, okay? <laughs> that being said, there was one example in Germany near Freiburg, which I'm saying phonetically, learning German, nice. in 1978. When a mine collapsed and a lot of people died, except for a handful of people who were scared off by a dark-winged humanoid with big red eyes that shrieked. And I find the story to be believable because a lot of people came forward and be like, what was that? We didn't die. Weird. It lacks the clickbaitiness. Okay, I'm into that one. I've never heard of that disaster either, so I feel like that could help. I don't either, and I'm currently dating somebody from that country, so... Uh, shots to Zuma for not telling me about his country enough. Tried to look it up from a Mothman podcast. How big of a disaster does it have to be for Mothman to show up? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay, the Silver Bridge disaster was a tragedy, but, like, 46 people died, and I feel like there are points in history with, like, a little bit more disaster. Like 9-11? Yeah. Which, like, would make sense at that point, but, like... At also, like, an easy, like, a, on the other side of the coin, it's like, all right, if you're going to come up with a story to see the Mothman, you're going to pick the big hitters in terms of, like, tragedy. Yeah. I just, at what point does he show up and what point does he just be like, nah, not big enough. Too much liability. Uh, my lawyers do not want me to do this. <laughs> Indrid Cold advised me against it. Exactly. That's who Indrid Cold is. There you go. He's his lawyer, obviously. The other thing about literally all of these stories is that none of them involve the avalanche of men in black or weird phone call sightings that John Keel talked about, like the flap in Point Pleasant. Just, like, literally none of them. At that point, it's just the FBI contacting you. Yeah, but I feel like a big point in John Keel's book was, like, the men in black aren't government people. They're just aliens pretending to be government people. Ooh, but what if they're both? (gasps) <gasps> Eventually, we'll talk about the blood. What are the aliens that are government people? They're all Will Smith. <laughs> I'm totally be... referencing the movie Men in Black right now. <laughs> Good movie. I like it. Shots to Will Smith. Love Will However, what if I told you that there was a bunch of sightings of Mothman in a city from 2011 to this day... And then also nothing horrifyingly cataclysmic happened in that city. It's Chicago. Chicago has a lot of Mothman sightings for no reason. I'm about to get into it. You where the apocalypse is going to start. Yeah, everybody get out of Chicago if you can. That's what I did. I could go back there. I'd actually thoroughly enjoyed Chicago. Let's keep our um, eye on Chicago. I only went once and I got lost underground. <laughs> How did you do that? Oh, I went to you MFF. Do that? I went to MFF, and the last thing... You might want to cut this out because awful mentions of awful past, but I, the last do. thing we freaking saw was the Trump Tower, and then we went, like, underground because our my <laughs> GPS was like, go under here, and I'm like, okay. 
And then it's like, oops, we lost signal. How did you get downtown Chicago? MFF is by the airport, and it's like 30 miles away. Yeah, it's like, what, what is it called? Rosemont? Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Did you I take the, it... like, L downtown? I guess. I don't remember. It was like 2018, 2016. That's okay. Yeah. But all of the train transportation things to Chicago just go downtown. It's like a little asterisk. Yeah, I don't... Where were you trying to go? To the furry convention. <laughs> there was an... I, I live... It's eight hours away. I've never been to Please Chicago. Please tell me you had your furry costume on while you were doing that. No, I wasn't like a tank top. Because it was a weirdly like hot and then cold weekend. Yeah, that's November. Maybe, I don't know. I think the, the Frey Con's in November, December. Oh my god, I don't remember. And it's poetry. I always thought Chicago November would be cold. Yeah, it, it, it was... It usually is, but sometimes it messes with you. Yeah, sometimes it was, like, warm for a few days. Like, it, during parts of the day, like, I was going out in short sleeves, and then it would get really cold. It was really weird. Huh. But the convention center itself got really hot. They blasted that heat. They, yeah, that's, that's notorious for that. There's a big meme about the hallways of MFF being just, like, really hot. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was a weird tangent. That's a good one, because I relate to it intimately having lived there for a sec. Chicago's yeah. weather is just messed up. The point is, that was the disasters that I got lost in my Nissan Cube under <laughs> the streets there. of Chicago. You drove there? Yes. So, boom. Our first story involves someone riding the red line, I assume, which is, the, like, one that, like, flanks the lake, all the way to the south side. August 21st, 2017, on the night of a solar eclipse. This anonymous source was passing Northerly Harbor when they heard a large, sh- a loud shrieking sound, like bus brakes, over the train, and then the train carried on, and then they heard the noise again, and then another time, but this time for a whole three seconds long, prompting this person, who was anonymous, to look out the window and then see a large humanoid bat-esque figure dive-bombing the docks at Burnham Harbor, which is the harbor on the lake, until the train passed the area and the observer was no longer to see it. I'm into it. I have another story. Another witness, a postal worker, was walking to her car after finishing a shift in the fall of 2020, right next to O'Hare Airport, near Rosemont. Uh, when she saw our favorite seven-foot-tall, winged, bright-eyed boyfriend walking towards her, chirping a bit, and then started to, like, fly right above her while screeching rather loudly. Oh, he's singing the worker is... song. He's me. Yeah, he's like, burp, 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 burp. What you up to? To go for coffee. The idea of him chirping is really cute, honestly. I really like it. Um... The worker is quoted as saying, I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed creature, and what appeared to be a coat were actually wings, which it spread out as it turned to look at me. Boom. Oh, I heard about this one. I I was trying to look up news because I was going to do a segment in our show where I mentioned, like, funny headlines. I almost did this one at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good one. And then I cut it for time. What year did it happen? That was 2020. Oh, was it? Oh, well, it happened in yeah. 2020, but I almost mentioned it this year. <gasps> nice. Oh, yeah, it's not 2020 anymore. <laughs> nope. What is time? Who knows? Time is not existent. It's off. I'm jumping back into the script now. 
A lot of the stories follow the trajectory of people seeing it flying around the Chicago, making a weird chirping noise, bada-boom, red eyes. Although a lot of people either see it along Lake Michigan or at the airport specifically. And it screams and chases people before flying right off and then not being seen again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people have gotten just like the most mediocre video or picture footage. But when I say mediocre, it means I'm not going to like point out anything because I wasn't really convinced. But it's like, okay, I can see it. It's just like look up Chicago Mothman stuff and you're like, okay. It was that blurry photo you always get of a cryptid, like the Bigfoot photo, you know, where he's half walking. Yeah. That's like what I say. It's like when you try to take a picture of the moon, you're going to have a bad night. Not for naught, though. John Keel also writes about Mothman encounters in Illinois, albeit not in Chicago, but, like, way before the Point Pleasant events, indicating that, like, at this section, he was like, is it the Thunderbird thing? This is a good time to bring this up. Some people think that it's the Thunderbird, which is the Mothman. Semicolon, an entirely different cryptid, but it also features in a bunch of indigenous people's beliefs, namely the Algonquin, Iroquois, Ojibwe, and Menominee. Oh, um, Thunderbird is like a... Yeah. People are like, this, this, connected, bada boom. But for those who don't know, Thunderbird... Is that what you said? Did you say it was a twist? Yeah, twisty twist in the story. Quite twisty. Detective Pikachu. Ooh. Um, for those who don't know, though, the Thunderbird is like a cryptid that's an eagle or a hawk, but many double digits of feet wide, and then it can also, it's like big enough to carry people away and eat them. Um, there's a crossover of Thunderbird sightings in the Appalachians with the Point Pleasant Mothmating sightings, but A, Mothman isn't that big in all of its encounters, and B, Mothman sightings seem to follow a certain time frame per area pattern that, like, make the stories exist, if anytime it's like a story exists outside of the flap of time and place, especially Mount Pleasant, 66, 67, or Illinois to this day, it's like, I kind of don't believe it that much. But maybe people think it's a Thunderbird. Anyway, in 1948, in various areas around northern Illinois, a bunch of people reported an extremely large bird, sometimes as large as a plane. Kind of not Mothman stuff, but you know. It matched the Point Pleasant Mothman descriptions a little bit with like, the big red eyes, except for it was also the size of a plane, so, like, what's up? It also flapped its wings instead of doing the vertical takeoff thing. How weird. That is... Yeah. That's that's a little too big. But it might also be, yeah. like, different Mothmen, you know? Some might have more trouble flying than the others. That's my main takeaway. I don't think it's the same thing, but I do like to point out that even though I think the modern Chicago Mothman, which is small and the size of Mothman, might be Mothman... All the earlier ones predating it, but in the area, kind of non-sequitur. There is one story, though, where a 10-year-old kid was being carried 30 feet by a bird until his mother was like, oh my god, and then started shouting at it, and then it dropped the kid, but he was okay. A lot of kids getting dropped in this episode, like... <laughs> kids yeah. living! Man, the Mothman just loves to drop children, or to see children beef it. They're not important. He's we not a big kids fan. Taylor. Kids aren't important. Well, They're I guess if vegan. you can't get cable in the TNT zone, you gotta make entertainment somehow. Yes. Mothman's up. one fault is that horrible around kids, but who among us is great around kids? Not me. Not me. Boom. That did it. We wrapped it up. That's the all the sightings. That's all the things. We did it, everybody. Yay. Um, I have Just a couple like bits... Ash. At the end of Pokemon, and we got to see the giant bird fly through the sky. Ash Wasn't that the first episode? Doesn't end. 
No. Well, I guess Ash is eternal. He saw Ho at the end of like what the first episode. Episode one. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I'm referring to. It was a it was a very bad reference. I make a lot of those. Am I ho ho here? Am I just going to fly away and never show up again? I don't know. I would hope y'all. I had to have y'all back. This has been fun, and I enjoy it thoroughly. Oh, thank you. Zach <laughs> is like, why is Dana still here? My boyfriend <laughs> has put his like hoodie up, which means I'm in cozy mode. I no one is here but me. <laughs> We've. Been- Zach is great and fantastic, and I appreciate him. He says Zach yeah. is great and fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. And sorry that you you're welcome. It's okay. It's the bronchitis. <laughs> Holy shit, though. I was like, time's a you, you two need to stop being a cute couple because I don't have a boyfriend, and it's just a problem to me. Damn. It's not me. Is somebody peeing? No, no. we have a Brita filter, even though Memphis water oh. is pretty decent because of our aquifer. But I like my water gotcha. cold, so we put it through a Brita thing. Well, this thing. is a really old apartment. You just don't want to drink the water from these old pipes. Who knows what's in these pipes? It's probably, probably why I'm crazy. Memphis water is the best, though. I will tell you now. We got one of them aquifers. <laughs> We're going to go into And also a big now. river that's, like, cool and pretty. I just realized I we think. didn't go into accents, and you s- you sent us a message oh. and called Coke Pop earlier, and I almost had a mic. Yeah, we didn't talk it's about pop. soda pop. I don't even know how many times I've said y'all in this episode. <laughs> I, I think I, like I kind of co-opted y'all, but I kind of made it like a gay cowboy thing, and I feel like I have a weird opinion on y'all, because it makes me feel like a gay cowboy despite firmly just living in Michigan. Well, the fact y'all... Our accents aren't as bad as other people's because we are rather, I don't know how to put this, educated? I don't know. Our English teachers have pushed it out of us for so long, but it comes out when we're mad. Fair. Yeah, we have enough city in us. But there <laughs> there are plenty of people around us that talk like Boomhauer from King of the Hill. Make oh, us mad and we're like, what y'all doing, you bass fat fucking? I, I saw one at the thrift store the other day. He was... Sorry, Zach's the thing. Zach's trying to get water right now. You're all good. For the audience, nobody's peeing. No, no. Nobody's peeing. That's the next episode. We're just in the kitchen. Yeah. We we made this very chaotic. Like, I don't even know how to end this at this point. We could we could do it. Boom, I got it. Do you want to I have a seg oh wait, yeah. What's your thing? Well, we usually we have our own ending if you want to join us in on our own ending. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm Anna. And I'm Taylor. And I'm Forsetti. What do we usually do? That is a, that's our opening. Okay. I, feel, I was given zero and direction. And Anna is on the floor. <laughs> wow, she doesn't know what time. Well, you're right, night, night, y'all. Yeah, we just say night, night, y'all. No, cool. no, no, don't let the, don't let the Yeah, good night, sleep tight. Yeah, that's what it is. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the Mothman bite unless you're into it. <laughs> I'm into it. You can bite I'm me all you want. Even you, Indrid, I'll let you in. You can bite me. Take me to Brazil. Sweet. Give me some plantains. I'm sorry for how much you're going to have to edit that because we drunkenly forgot where things go. You're good. I think I was going to like try to get into discourse, but I talked about Mothman bird. Mothman bird. 
Mothman Tulpa? Mothman Bird. That's about how that Mothman Bird is not something I subscribe to. Mothman is Mothman, not a bird. He's not a bird. He ain't Birdman. Oh, heck, I was going to talk about one last thing, but this will take, like, one second. Do it. Mothman became a big pop culture icon. Shots to Mothman for, like, working into the modern cryptid discourse as being the mascot. Like, nobody's a big Bigfoot person or a Nessie person anymore. It's Mothman time now. Proud of Mothman for that. Also, shots to... Yeah, Yeah. Mothman's a rock star. Bigfoot is boring. Bigfoot's, like... Milk toast. I could go on Moth- the internet right now and go find Mothmans. a tote bag that says Mothman is my boyfriend. Mm. Just- I'm drinking out of a mug with a bunch of Mothman pictures on it. Shouts to my sister Megan for getting me for this for a birthday present. It's really great. Also, I was going to say, shouts again to Iki Baku for helping me learn that the Mothman is indeed the most eligible cryptid bachelor. Check out that episode. I think it's episode seven. He is. He That's was- going to be my next one. Very That's really chaotic. <laughs> but I'm like, happy for you. I would take him over a vampire. Too. I don't need no Edward in my life. That's just mm. annoying at this point. I'm ready to hear Agreed. what the top ten are from your episode. <laughs> I feel like Mothman was, a fun was in the coffee house and freaking people watch and be calm with me. I don't need no drama in my life at this point. I am 25. That's 100% the conclusion we came to. <laughs> Just dropping toddlers left and right in front of you, and you have to deal with that. That's I'm, the not, only I'm not raising anyone's children, okay? I would rather die alone yeah. than marry a guy who has children already. I will, ne- I will neither babysit nor give birth in most circumstances. You know what? I'll babysit for a certain amount of money. There's a lot of things they'll do for a certain amount of money. Same. <laughs> All right, we did it, Mothman. Mothman. Anybody have anything else Mothman. to add? Man, we we really took you on a gauntlet with this episode. I feel like I don't know where I am. Someone come find me. We're in the Denny's place. parking lot. Yeah, we're in the Denny's parking lot. How do we get here? This isn't IHOP. Ooh, can we get waffles? Can I get a Graham sandwich? <laughs> I just need coffee. I'm gonna send yeah. your boyfriend out to get me Oreos. Right I don't now. think he can do anything. He's my boyfriend looks dead. He woke up at he three this bed. morning. But he's more sober than me right now. I'm gonna say it. My boyfriend's a German, six hours ahead of me. He might just be awake still. I'm gonna text him real quick. That, Go for that, it. I Damn. Have a boyfriend. Be my that fucker boyfriend is awake. Well, I'm gonna stop recording okay. if you're good with it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, happy night, all. You're all yeah, cool. Good night. Audience. Thank you so much for having us on. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for being on. This is really fun, and you're all fantastic hosts. Yeah, it's, it's so nice to talk to other podcasts. Yeah, it's this is like, been fun. You all know what you're doing, too. It's like... responsibility in this and get way too drunk. Yeah. I need a child <laughs> leash great. for Anna, but for audio purposes. That's what Zuma's gonna be once I'm by him. He'll be good at reining me in. We did it, though. Yeah! We did it! Woo! Well, thus ends the behemoth of an episode belonging to the illustrious Mothman. You know, the re- I'm gonna say it again, the research wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be, but I actually haven't recorded with my guests yet, so who knows if this is a long episode. That being said, the Mothman doesn't deserve any less. He's brilliant and attractive. If you're interested in meeting him for coffee, send a comment. I will get you in contact. We'll definitely be talking about it more on the podcast also, I have a feeling. But now, let's get to Review Corner. 
this time I'm going to pick up the Mothman Museum because there are no uh, Google reviews for the city of Point Pleasant. But let's hit it up. Sandra Shearer says, Loved it. Had a blast. Very awesome. Gift shop was fun too. Even though my hubby tried to give my dog to the Mothman. Don't worry. I saved him. Lol. Five stars. Caitlin Ganote says, Really fun. Cute little place. The gift shop is worth a stop at the very least. Love the Mothman lore. The statue is the best. Also, $5 entry is super cheap. Five stars. I included that one because, oh my god, a $5 entry? That's super fucking cheap. Congrats, Mothman Museum. I might just go there because that's like $5. And lastly, Anthony Bear says that, I thought the Mothman Museum was pretty cool. For being such a small place, there was a lot of information. Tons of period newspaper articles and a lot of memorabilia. Only four stars because I was not accosted by the actual Mothman. Jokes aside, this is a really cool little town. While there, go crazy out the crazy murals. While there, go crazy out the crazy murals. He's, he writes like I do. On the outside of the flood wall. Four stars. May I also suggest visiting Chicago, Anthony? Mothman's been sighted there. <laughs> well, to wrap up, I would love to also thank Anna and Taylor of Crypto Boozology for joining my podcast this month. Those two put on a fantastic show, and I can spell it out for you. They're on all the sites that I am, actually, except I don't know if they do YouTube, but we've uh, got the same distributor. But check out C-R-Y-P-T-O-B-O-O-Z-E-O-L-O-G-Y. You can find that podcast and also Fox Esoterica on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at at F-O-R-S-E-T-I-F-O-X, and you can support Foxo Esoterica on Patreon and Coffee. Also both F-O-R-S-E-T-I-F-O-X. I picked a very unique name that's easy to just get on all the sites. Yeehaw. If you have any interesting stories or would just love to get in touch, my email is at A-F-O-X-S-A-R-G-E-A-N-T. All research, recording, editing, and music is done by yours truly. And thanks again to Sun El Chiquito off of Twitter for the podcast artwork. Sleep well, and keep an eye out of your window this evening for any red-eyed cuties. Wow, I just wrote that. Yeah, that's how we're ending the episode.